The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I, I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter, and you can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. And those sound effects you hear are provided by the land, the man, the myth, the legend, our homeboy in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70. What's up, everybody? And you can find this here podcast on the Cold Slither Podcast Network, that's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, uh, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Cold Slither Almost, almost had it. Cold Slither Podcast Network SoundCloud page. You won't find us on Quibi because uh, let's face it, that's dying anyway, and we we're not that big. <laughs> oh no. That was that was a whole thing. That's it's kind of sad, but anyway. Um, tonight, folks, we bring you another week of comic book goodness. We're going to start off with uh, the books of the week, and uh, starting off with Ten of Swords Stasis Number One. Now, actually, I was going to mention this before the show. God damn it, I know if I got something. Um, I was going to mention this before the show, but I was going to ask, like, what did, was the reasoning uh, behind the, the naming of Stasis apparent to you as a title? Honestly, no. Honestly, no. Good. That means that I'm, I'm not the only one. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really give it too much thought, to be perfectly honest. Right. I mean... You know, now now you're making me uh, curious to see if there are any alternative uh, definitions that I maybe aren't that I'm maybe not aware of. Exactly, because I'm sitting here because like, obviously we've seen alpha um, alpha issues, omega issues, you know, uh, preludes, uh, you know, praises, posters, that kind of stuff like that. But it's like this, that's oh, you know what? I think I see it. Okay, I think I see it. I think Hit I me. see it. So I'm gonna double check with Merriam Webster just because sometimes I'm not always keen on relying upon Google. Hmm. No offense, Google, because eh. I know you're listening. So, <laughs> uh, 
They might be. Who knows? You know, they ain't no mics. They definitely are. I was about to say we are on. You know, we are on the web. We are, so, and we're on YouTube. So that's especially true. Exactly. So, um, which, by the way, while Lisa, while Lisa, while Lisa pulled that up, um, yeah, I forgot to mention. Hey, we're streaming live. Uh, if you didn't already know, uh, or you're catching this after the fact, we stream live on YouTube every week, uh, and also Twitch. Uh, so that's uh, Twitch.tv slash Combo Chronicles. And uh, YouTube.com slash The Click Nation. That's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, all one word. So I got to remember to put that in there. So what's the deal? All right. So according to Merriam-Webster, um, you know, stasis is kind of what uh, we are accustomed to understanding as the definition, you know, a slowing or stoppage or a state of static balance or equilibrium you know, or a state or period of stability during which little or no evolutionary change in the lineage occurs. But according to the Google dictionary definition, the second formal definition of stasis is civil strife, which applies in this case. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's, it's weird that it's not listed in the Merriam Webster um dictionary mm-hmm. um i wonder if uh i would have to maybe take a look at further but it you would think it would be here under noun but in any event maybe that's the definition that uh tinny howard and jonathan hickman are using when they named this chapter stasis maybe shout out for them to them for that because like i said it, it was like i didn't think about it up until i read it because mm-hmm. I figured, like, well, clearly there's, there's going to be some reason in there why it's called this. And I was like, no, no, not really. Um, but there's like, well, clearly there's an alternative reason, reason, but I had not checked it out. So I figured, you know, there you go. But let's get into the story proper here. And talk about basically what happens, which in some respects, not much, but enough. So we already found out that um, we we already gotten to this point where the Krakoans have gotten their swords. This pretty much was the um, the Iraqo folk getting their swords in this issue, and we also get a, a nice, neat, not so surprising revelation at the end that we'll get to in a second. Um, mm-hmm. But. Uh, like I said, the, the 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 crux of this was pretty much um, the 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 Iraqo side uh, getting their getting their swords, and we see their prophecies, and we do get a little bit from obviously the the X Men and the Krakoan side, you know, uh, apocalypse is rousing <laughs> uh, pep talk, right? <laughs> um, but so here's I was the about th- to say general. I was about to say uh, uh, General Patton. He's not right. Yeah, yeah. So it's like like um like um Mike Lowry was saying, bad boys. Uh, you you might want to work on that. You know, <laughs> <Like> Phil Jackson. <laughs> um, I think that was bad boys. Yeah, I feel like yeah, it's like you know, he was this gold standard in, in, in pep talks. <laughs> That's funny. But um. But uh, but yeah, so that that's pretty much what. Now, so here is the ultimate question, and that I thought was going to be answered in this question. So one, we know the the Krakoans got their swords. We know. I need to go back and look at the prophecies, but we got nine swords. It's supposed to be ten. Right. The tenth one ended up being Gorgon, I think. No, there's still nine with Gorgon. Oh, is it? Yeah. 
Cause I, cause I counted. I made sure I counted when it got. Can you remember when they were all assembled? I made sure I counted. Like even with uh, apocalypse, I, I thought Gorgon was the one they left out. I thought so too, but it was like no, there's still nine people. So either, and I was thinking like maybe there's going to be a reveal at the end of this issue. But a rock, all of Rocco people's people have all ten of their swords. Hmm. So it's weird, and I don't know if that's something. Like I, I'm, I'm assuming it's, it's intentional for a reason. That we still haven't come across yet, but but no one's called attention to it yet. So that part right there was I something making me curious. Like now I'm gonna go look at the circle again. Yeah, yeah. Like I counted it twice. Like even when they were first assembled, and when they uh, and when they when you see the split of the Araco and them, mm-hmm. um, like uh, unless I'm t- totally was blind and missing something because I did read that right before I went to sleep. But but I don't think I am. No, I don't think so because. At least in the in the character, you know, one thing that, that right that uh, too that's consistent with your uh, with your count is the very first you know the uh, the introduction page that mm-hmm. shows you characters that are appearing in the book, mm-hmm. and it only shows the nine sword bearers that we know of to date, including Gorgon. Right. So so I'm just like, okay, so it's going to be nine against ten, or someone's doubling up, or like, what's like, what's what's that all about? And like I said, that's why I want to I want to go back and check the prophecies because I feel like all of the prophecies are also in, accounted for, and the tarot cards at that. On, on wait, this. so there's a tenth. Wait, so there's a tenth spot though. Right. There is a tenth spot that's empty. So right. that means, that, as you said, there's probably going to be an additional entrant. But nobody called attention to it either. So like, I'm surprised. Like, there's at least two or three people on the on the Krakoan uh, side who would have called attention to that. Hmm. And but no one did, so that part right there was like mm, okay. But yeah, like I said, I, I suspect there's going to be a last minute entrance, and I'm hoping. I don't know. I went through this issue thinking like, especially when it got back to the uh, the prophecies and and the uh, the the revelation of the tarot cards again, or the re-revelation of the tarot cards again. I guess, or at least right. when the Krakoans realize it about it, or have been getting given them that um, like I'm most of the cards in themselves have, they all have a meaning, but I'm hoping for at least one or two that don't actually mean death. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not even talking about the one, the, 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 the person who actually got the death card, you know, cause that card didn't seem like it wasn't seemed like they were going to be cause and not be the effect or be the, the end result, but we don't know. But at least with that coverage, we know that person's at least going to be around next year. <laughs> oh, no. So, um, yeah. Uh, I, I was going to add um, that just before you move on, I'm definitely going to need to read more of the data pages on these realms. Yes. As well as some of the data pages I may have skimmed through um, that appeared in prior issues of this crossover. Right, and they yeah, they they totally got that, all of those out of the way before going into this chapter. I guess for mm-hmm. that reason, so th- this book wouldn't be overloaded with all that the, with data dumps of the um, the folks that um that right and seeding right. I was about to say seeding some of the information like in the depths of your memory. Be like, oh, so that's where this person might be from. I can go back and look at that. So, right. um, uh, talk about making it a little easier to read in collected format. Yeah. Definitely, these. Uh, yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm kind of wondering about that. Like, are they going to? Because it's 22. Are they going to like do two? Well, it's probably going to be what three volumes. 
or four volumes, I would imagine, if they do it, you know. Well, it depends. If they do it in extra size, they might just do it in two. You know, That's what I was thinking. Half. Yeah, like two 11s. Yeah. Or, right. You know. Kind of the way, yeah, kind of the way we've been reading. Oh, well, it's kind of where we've gotten to the point where this is literally the halfway point. Right. So as uh, I think we were talking about this off the air just prior to coming on, um, this is literally the halfway point to the crossover. So we have gotten through most of you know, as we just as as Roddy Cat just noted that we apparently still need one more sword bearer from Krakoa, but we've gotten through most of the sword acquisition questing uh, in the first half of the story, and now we're going to get to the tournament in the second half. Right. So um, it seems like a very natural place to create the ending of a volume. Mm-hmm. And I suspect that whoever that 10th swordsman person probably again is probably going to come in with some sort of flair, I would imagine. And then we'll, then sometime after that, we'll get the quest that the, this, um, the store has not been shy about, you know, pacing itself in a certain way. Right. So yeah, cause it looks like we'll probably get the sword bearer first and some action. And then probably the next issue we'll get like, however they got it. I, I could be wrong about that, but who, who even knows? But like I said, this doesn't, this doesn't strike me as a, uh, the way this has been uh, paced together. It doesn't strike me that that that's not how they're going to do it. Wouldn't be surprising one, uh, one way or the other. So, mm-hmm. but for the most part, like I said, that is the crux of this issue. We, uh, the the Krakoans end up uh, going to over, uh, other other world. Um, there's some uh, banter between. Well, it's not even banter, but basically Saturnine is, is doing most of the talking here because it's her world and her rules and nothing like that, and the Krakoans know it, and it was even noted by Storm. Right. Like, we, like treat everything as hostile until we figure out what's going, what's uh, what's the deal. Absolutely. Uh, and then Saturnine gives them their cards, and some folks are not, uh, not very well pleased, whilst others are with their cards. There's a couple <laughs> of them that were, there were a couple of tarot cards that were kind of curious Actually, one in particular that was kind of curious, and that was uh, Cypher's. Right, right. Although what's funny about Cypher's card is that I I guess because based on the story, I kind of presume that he might be making a connection with one of the Arakoans. That was my uh, thought also. Who, who speaks to Arako. Right. And, you know, we'll see how that goes. That's a minor spoiler um, for this book, but... Uh, if you are listening to this now, hopefully you have made it through a bulk, the bulk of the first 11 chapters <laughs> of, um, of Ten of Swords. Indeed. Uh, I, would, I would add that um, I think we touched on this, uh, or you might have mentioned it. We're, we also learn more about where Arako sits in the Council of Realities, I guess, under I, Saturnine. I did not, but that's so, a good point. Yes. So there is, you know, they, they're essentially they've essentially become a a, a, a sep- They've actually taken over a separate reality, um, apparently or dimension. I'm not sure. Listen, we've been dealing with lots of, uh, you know, War of the Realms, and now we've got Ten of Swords dealing with other realities, and it's just it, there's very much a jumble of uh, realities uh, swirling around in my uh, in my head when it comes to um, remembering what's happening in the six one six. But ultimately. This particular reality was uh, overthrown, basically destroyed, and yeah. and and basically left a seat open um, 
on on this council and the Arakoans basically took it over, took right. the seat over so that they would have a say in um you know in in whatever happened in the uh in the uh the Starlight Citadel. Right. And that whole thing when they were where they were in council and, and actually it's yeah, it is basically one of the realms of um of other worlds that they just pretty much came in and encroached on and took over. Like you like you said, they they killed everybody off and just took it over. So it has been annexed into Araco uh under that in order for them to get in. I, I assume that was the reason under, but I know they've been they slowly and surely trying to take over you know, parts of other worlds in order to get to Earth in the first place, which is why this whole thing kind of came came about partially. Right. But yeah, that was pretty much the reasoning, or pretty much the cause and effect there of that. So uh, as they were going through councils, like yeah, they were there. But and the, as a matter of fact, there was it wasn't even just them; it was like them, and there was another people set of uh, of of ambassadors that was there who hadn't really apparently said anything. Mm-hmm. That no one knows about that Saturnine herself doesn't even know about that just happened to be there. Uh, and I assume we're going to hear something about them uh, at some point also. Cause over the next 11 chapters of exactly. the story. Yeah. Um, so I guess before we wrap something that Roddy cat mentioned about, um, I guess something that we expect, uh, something that might've uh, been expected, uh, happening at the end of this issue i i i like to call this as a fan of the this is us show apocalypse has a this is us style reunion with someone he thought lost to him yes so uh i'll leave it at that without spoiling too much right but it's yeah i mean this person has been recent brought up as recently as last issue so this it wasn't that big of a surprise except for to him (laughs) in this at least in this respect Exactly. That's the that's the that's the surprise that's uh, that's sprung at the end of this issue. So, mm-hmm. as we said, this is the halfway point of Ten of Swords. We hope that you're enjoying the ride, and we'll see where we go uh, in the following cha- in the following se- in the second half of the story. And we hope that it can it not only continues to be um, engaging and <laughs> sticks to landing. I don't. Let's hope. Oh, so. you know, I mean, between between you know Hickman and and Tony Howard, I suspect. That shouldn't be a problem, but right. you, you never know nowadays. Right. And I also have this feeling that our recommendation is going to hold up throughout anyone's reading of this story, which is to pay attention to the – it's not back matter. It's data. Mm-hmm. The data pages that are sprinkled throughout these issues, they may not seem relevant right away because mm-hmm. we have seen these data pages sprinkled into chapters that – don't necessarily have anything to do with what's in the data pages, but they end up becoming relevant later on. So uh, please bear that in mind. You may have to do some backtracking just to make sure that you are on board with, or at least familiar with what may be in what weapon may be in somebody's hand. Put it that way. Oh, and speaking of that, which, and and I will go on on that note, I will just say one uh, there is that uh, Ten of Swords handbook that came out last week that pretty much is the old, the old hot mode for this event. So gotcha, gotcha. that is something to check out uh, as well. And I assume some of that was going to have the swords that were brought up that were just introduced uh, in this issue of Stasis. But I'm pretty sure it's already had all that stuff. But also, there was some pretty sweet swords. I, 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 right. I have to say, there's been some pretty sweet swords that have um, that have shown up during this um, 
during, during this event, uh, which actually reminds me of another book that I read this week that I'll talk about um, that I hope that I'll remember when I talk about the, in a little bit. That being right. said, let I us move on say, to... I was going to say, the reason why I forget about the handbook is because I never got my um, my physical copy. I'm waiting on my book to come in. So yeah. uh, hopefully... Um, Although we did get a we did get a copy on our own, right? So. I, yeah, I skimmed. I think, matter of fact, I think I mentioned it last week on the show. Like I skimmed through, uh, skimmed through it while we're uh, doing the show, and it's like, yeah, it's pretty much what you think it is. Yep. So that being said, um, but yeah, so check that out regardless. And is I would imagine see, and that is another because I don't think that book is probably going to be. Uh, I would suspect that book is not going to be counted in the um, in the trade chapters. No. Oh, yeah. in the trade? Oh, well, right. you never know. I doubt it. I mean, especially mm-hmm. with the data pages. Like, I mean, maybe there's be there'll be a special section for some of it, but I doubt that whole thing is going to be in there. Um, it might be in like the deluxe. You know, it may not be in like the regular copy. Perhaps you know, they'll probably put it in like the deluxe hardcover. You know, like to make it supposedly uh, more worthwhile. Right. Or if they do happen to break it up into more than one trade, you know, like break it up into four trades or something like that. Um, <laughs> For some reason, they could do it that way if, if they so. They could do that. Yeah. They could do that. Come to think of it, they could do that into in, because uh, uh, it could be like five and six, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, uh, or or six and then five and then the uh, the handbook. Yep. And 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 those will be, but that's my point. Like those will be like the regular like six issue trades, you know, like the smaller ones. Right. You know, we all know, all the listeners and viewers know that all of these companies come up with different ways to package these books so that you feel like you need to buy them again. <laughs> so we will see what, what, in what form the story is republished. True enough. So let us move on to the next book. Um, Amazing Spider-Man number what 51. How about amazing 51? Sounds good to me. All right. Um, okay. So, uh, you know the uh, the writing the, the the writer on this is Nick Spencer. Uh, pencils and art, pencils and inks by Patrick Leeson and colors by Edgar Delgado. Um, in 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 very broad strokes, Spidey and Doctor Strange fend off a uh, possessed Silk. This is uh, picking immediately up on the events of um, both last issue and the fifty point LR last rights. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but apparently Spidey isn't completely honest with Dr. Strange about all of his intentions. Uh, we also find out that Dr. Strange has an ominous. <laughs> I, I noted the exact same thing. <laughs> um, in this issue, uh, we get a guest star appearance by the black cat who has a role to play. That's reminiscent of her recent adventures in her own title. And, and finally, was, and was actually even mentioned in a roundabout right. way and brings it and bring yeah she brings it right up mm-hmm. and um and and uh at the end of the issue we find out that kindred reveals his quote dinner party plans to spidey yeah i mean uh you know part of this is definitely spoiler territory but we're 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 definitely um i'm definitely kind of um keeping it very broad strokes if you are keeping up with this um mini event as it were within the pages of amazing Spider-Man. I hope that you uh, pick up on the fact that this is definitely bringing in more characters to help Spidey deal with this particular 
um, uh, this particular uh, threat that's a little over his head. So, yeah, I am slightly curious about and um, like, yeah, there was a little razzle dazzle going on in, in there. And I'm kind of curious as to like, you see Dr. Strange kind of picking up on it, but not to the extent of where you would think he would just see through it all, especially with the Eye of Agamotto. Right. Um, so I am, I'm slightly curious about how Spidey pulled that off, but at the same time, you know, that whole thing went off. So like, okay, that was, that went off pretty nicely. I was kind of slightly surprised and, and, um, uh, about that. But at the same time, like when Felicia came in, I was like, okay, well, here we go. I mean, I was surprised that he had time to do that. I think that's the biggest yeah. thing that stuck out in my head. Like, wait, he had time to do this and then see Dr. Strange. Okay. Exactly. And that was another thing. Cause like, yeah, cause they go back about, cause they definitely go back about that part. It's like, well, cause in the last couple of issues, like we see what's been happening since Ravencroft and the Sin Eater thing. And he was clearly on the run, you know, but at the same time, even when he got, you know, got to Dr. Strange, he had a little bit of uh, time before, you know, uh, you know, folks start attacking him or in this, in this particular uh, issue or to Silk. Um, But yeah, the fact that he had time to just like drop off some, drop off somewhere else and be like, Hey, look, you know, I (laughs) I need you for something. Like that's kind of weird, but it's comics. So, and as much as I hate to do it, I have to put it on that. <laughs> Comic timing is a weird is a weird animal, right? So, um, but uh, yeah, but last note on it that I'm just gonna say on the side note was like Kendrick channels the police and Sting because he basically uh, says uh, um, um, every step you take, every move you make, I'll be watching you. But he actually doesn't say it like that, but it's it's you that's can see the, the channel. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say it didn't pop up in my head. You know, that's what happens to me all the time. So mm-hmm. that's that's funny. So I was like, I was like, all right, we see, we see you, um, Kendrick. I don't I, for some stupid reason, I, I don't want to, even though we know the identity of Kendrick, and um, even though you know Spidey doesn't, or at least he's claiming he doesn't at this point, which he probably doesn't. Right. Um, but well, he like he has no real reason to know it actually at this point. But, um, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, I see you, Kendrick. And it's also cool. One of the things like, wait, I technically you're old enough to know that reference, but at the same time, comic, uh, you know, comic timelines is what it is. And the way that this is like, all right. And I don't know. Would he actually know that at, given the whatever, but regardless, none of that even matters. Uh, but yeah, like uh, agent 70 says at the end of this book, we see, um, the, what starts to be the culmination of, um, of Kindred's um, uh, and Spidey's meeting you know, on a dinner party with some not so lively guests. Hmm, that's a good one. Yeah. So, and I imagine Spidey's not going to take too well to seeing that. Uh, well, well, he's already seen it, but uh, that's not going to sit too well with him on the, come the next issue, which I think is a point uh, point LR issue, if I'm not mistaken, like uh, the fifty one LR. I thought I saw uh, it. I, remember. I don't have the solicitations in front of me. The point LR issue looks like it still has the members of the uh, the, the Spider Friends. The um, what we call it? The, the order. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, the order of the web. Yeah, but you know how sometimes that goes, though. 
right i mean they, they might they might delve just slightly into what spidey's reaction to this is but it may just very well be what they've told us their intentions are which is to focus on everyone else right. in those point lr issues so yeah let's see so is the 51 lr coming up and then 52 after that so yeah right like 50 i mean the, the main the main issues when i say the main issues i mean the ones that aren't labeled last rights are the ones that are supposed to focus upon spidey's story so um we'll see if they hold off on uh dealing with spidey's reaction to this dinner party until uh 52 or if we see it in the point uh the 51 point lr issue that's actually, going to be out next week right and actually from, from what i'm looking at the back of the book the 52 52 and 52 LR are both going to be um, on the same date if the, if that holds up. Right. So we'll one way or the other, we will be getting it in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. All right. So if we're, we're done with that one, we can move on to another one. Uh, you want to pick a book? What's next? I'll tell you what's next. Immortal Hulk number 39. Oh, yes. Immortal Hulk number 39, written by Al Ewing, with pencils by Joe Bennett, and inks by, as I get my uh, spreadsheet to scroll back down, inks by Rui, Jose, and Bellardino Bravo. Um, This is a potential click of the week for me, as we learn more about the leader's actions to this point, involving Brian Banner, the Green Door, and invading Bruce's psyche. Um... Al Ewing is utilizing all of the Hulk's multiple personalities in the con- that have been established in continuity. If you didn't know that by now, you know, you're a little late to the party. But um, for those of you who are thinking about dipping your toe into this story, please note that you don't necessarily have to know all of this stuff, but it's definitely out there for you to peruse and see where all this um, is, you know, basically – uh, came from and how Ewing is putting a lot of the stuff together. Um, you know, he's using all of these multiple personalities that have been established in continuity um, to tell a great story that right now is completely within Bruce's mind uh, with some amazing art that's surrounding the Devil Hulk. Uh, also, uh-huh. as a note, I'll let uh, Roddy Cat um, uh, uh, chime in on this, but I would note that a Maybe Alpha Flight has their own space station that isn't the peak. That's that's so yeah. So that goes back to that, and yes, that I mm-hmm. think that is the that's been established, right, or at least I think we can safely say that's the case that's now. The case. Confirmed as that... the case now, yeah. Because what we've seen in the the recent issues of X Men and whatnot, that the, the peak is kind of on its which. Again, as we have said in past uh, episodes, like we thought the peak and, and Alpha Flight was on the same station because that was the only one we knew up there as far as we knew. Right. I mean, you know, we don't know if this was established in the pages of Captain Marvel, which is which makes sense. I believe it might have been, but I don't remember right. it, honestly. Exactly. Uh, neither of us have been uh, following that book that closely, so it may have been established in one of the more recent uh, Captain Marvel runs. So, uh, it, No, well, no. I do. I was reading it when it was established, when she was ahead of Alpha Flight, but I don't mm-hmm. remember if they specifically said, because you even saw Abigail Brand there, and I'm sitting here right. like, well, clearly this is the peak. But a I separate, don't think they exactly actually... A separate station. Yes. Right, but they never they said whether it was a separate station or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that was probably be something to kind of go back and, and check on it because I do remember, I, like I do, I know specifically that I was reading it at the time. I was like, okay, and we just 
as what it was as being that's the peak when it clearly was not the case. Right. Um, but yeah, um, all I'm pretty much going to say is that uh, Bruce's dad makes a deal with uh, with the wannabe devils, who's by the way some pretty good machinations going on on, on that part because he's and uh, as uh, I think Agent Seventy will, will appreciate this what I say in my notes. Um, uh, Bruce's dad makes a deal with a wannabe devil who wants to be in the room where it happens with a big de- bigger <laughs> devil. Um, and we also see you know the the, the where the leader pulled his um his current form well or at least part of his current form at least going into this issue from because he was basically using the form of a hulk you know uh in 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 the mindscape i guess we don't fully do it because we don't know like whether he could just well we know the leader is 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 able to possess gamma folks at this point in in a way and now that he is in um in possession of some new information thanks to Bruce's dad. Um, he really gobbled up all that information, some would say. Yeah, literally. <laughs> yes. Uh, I would I, I would also add that the leader comes right out and says that he's mixing science and the occult. Mm-hmm. And this is something that most Marvel readers will associate with one Victor Von Doom, but it is not that surprising, not that surprising at all, that one of the other evil super geniuses would do something very similar. Not to the extent that Vic can do it, because obviously Victor Von Doom is much closer to Doctor Strange level capability than the leader is, but it's no surprise that someone who is uh, a, you know an and an affirmed evil genius would look to you know meld both science and magic which is science that's just not understood yet right exactly and that's that's the thing that's been established uh, not not just in this world but just in the world and you know in, in general yes science is indistinguishable is magic in a certain uh, realm and i know they've said it in books before and even just out in other media <laughs> it was the thor movie <laughs> yeah so Exactly. Yes, I was about to say. Uh, I was about to say. Shout out to Binge Mode, uh, the popular podcast that is back doing uh, a binge through the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the com and and, and some of the related comics and whatnot. So oh, nice. they are up to right. They're up to uh, the Incredible Hulk. So they're only two movies in. So feel free. Shout out to uh, Mal and Jason. So. You know, not that I, not that they need a free plug, but I'm definitely a fan. Yes, we we we've established that already. Yeah, I mean, I have to check them out. Um, um, if I do a re- actually, even if I don't do a rewatch, um, but yeah. you already watched all these movies, so well, not. I know, but I'm saying, but I haven't rewatched them like recently, and I'm probably not going to. But I'm just saying, you know, if I happen to, you know, like, who knows, one of these days I get around to do it after I finish Clone Wars or something. Um, sure. Or any of the number, the numerous anime that I'm trying to start up, but anyway, um, I was gonna say, don't remind me about the animes that I started and like kind of stopped on like the fifth episode. So oh, I need that to was back that was the halfway two. the reason for that. <laughs> I need to get back to my list. You know, this this is my notebook, folks. For uh, you know, for comic book chronicle stuff, I have my list of anime that I still have to watch. So. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's being the case. Yeah, like I was going to. The only thing I was going to say about the leader in that journey that you just mentioned is like, yeah, he's kind of at the beginning of that. I don't know if he's going to go any further with it because obviously he's kind of singular in his, his in his um in his uh in his thought patterns at this point or in the, in his motivations. 
but uh but yeah he's it's gonna take him a while to get to even if he were up to one to trying to get to like doom's level of uh mixing science and magic right and it's funny that uh do you have anything else on this book no that's pretty much it also there is a we there is a loss in this book uh that we see you know but the given the way some things play out we don't know if it's a permanent loss or you know but well we feel relatively strong that it's a permanent loss but we'll see in the incoming issues right that's a good point excellent point I was just going to add that because uh, Binge Mode is up to, they just dropped, I think, the Incredible Hulk episode last night slash today. Uh, that, uh, you know, because I, I was listening to it while I was uh, making dinner. And um, uh, what's funny is that they mentioned that uh, obviously the MCU doesn't bring too much of the Incredible Hulk movie forward other than uh, Thunderbolt Ross. But one thing that was never picked up on was Samuel Stearns, a.k.a. The, AKA the leader who plays such a role in this Immortal Hulk story. So mm-hmm. that's probably why it immediately jumped to mind when we were talking about this. Right. And I will say that there's probably a nugget of news that will, um, that speaking of what you just mentioned, might have something to do. Okay. You know, might be an allusion to that let's just say um but moving right along we will get to another book i guess we have one more book before we hit the wrap it yeah i mean we have probably two more books in common both shang chi and strange academy mm-hmm. you know it seems like this week we both read the same marvel but we diverged when it came to some of the other stuff that we read so mm. so actually let's do uh strange academy because i feel like that book needs to be talked about a lot more than it than it probably does um, but then it probably is you mean like in terms probably... of like the popular attention that it might be getting right all right well um it's written by scotty young uh with art by umberto ramos and colors by edgar delgado um the students this is hysterically funny the students are playing door tag and yes. you have to take a minute to figure out what they mean <laughs> And oh, the places you might die when oh, you nice. play door tag. Very nice. Um, Very nicely done. <laughs> uh, it seems that Zelma has picked up some magic. Oh, no, as she's a been that, yeah, of school. Yeah, she's been done that, though. I mean, she's, she's shown some acumen even in uh, Stranger's book. I don't remember it as much, yeah. but definitely more so than what I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, the point of view character, Emily, seems to have picked up a quote unquote friend huh. and i say that in quotes and i stress that mm-hmm. uh, because we don't know what this friend slash creatures motivations are just yet um and emily is also delving into some mysteries meanwhile an external threat called the hollow from the swamps and bayous around new orleans also presents itself Pretty much that, and I'll just go on my notes and say, uh, and which will probably cover the same, some of the, a little bit of the same ground. But uh, this one, this is a potential click of the week for me, uh, and I would say you can't have a, a magic school full of kids without having ante- ante- antagonistic cultists going after them. That would be the hollow that um, the hollows that um, that Agent Seventy just mentioned. Um, Desi seems to know more about uh, Zoe than you know, what Zoe was hiding up until now uh, than any of us realized, but it looks like that secret has now come out. Um, 
which is interesting. Yep. And I would like to see the backstory for this, which I'm assuming is going to happen at some point when that whole get that gets revealed to everybody because you know it's going to. Um, maybe even next issue uh, since they even they finally brought it up. But anyway, uh, and suddenly a game of Magic Tag breaks out in the library, which should not have been the case. But you know, hey, you know, because Zelma's Zelma's a cool librarian. <laughs> uh, a couple of cameos pop up, like Spider Man and some Ice Guardians. Um, and as uh, Agent Seven kind of kind of mentioned, there was a trip through a couple of the, of the realms, you know. Uh, and uh, especially with with what you saying, the places you might die, they end up in. Um, you know, Emily almost takes an L uh, right off the bat from the first door, which right. leads to one of the cameos. But then they all end up in a weird world where she meets up with this uh, thing, this cat beast thing. Uh, but meanwhile, Zelma and the kids in the library are dealing with a big problem of their own. And uh, last, uh, speaking of problems, Emily meets a cat beast in Weird World, like you just said, that most assuredly won't cause any problems ever. No, of course not. No, ever. Because that's clearly It's a magic-based story. Of course not. You meet something <laughs> random while you jump through a door playing door tag. Of course it's not going to make any problem. Exactly. And they ended up, one of those uh, doors ended up... Uh, both, actually, after she come across this cat beast, ended up coming to, uh, let's just say, in the midst of the realm of the person whose academy this is named for, and there's a, a thing that is met there, to which I'm fairly certain is probably going to come back to at some point. Uh, but this book is a delight. I know there's there are people out there who don't like magic books, but this, this is I I have been thoroughly enjoying this book for what it's been, and I do hope it has legs uh and continues has leg have legs because this is pretty different from a lot of the books that's that's out there right now sure um and i mean i'm kind of reminded of i'm kind of reminded of a book i used to champion called Mm -hmm. gotham academy yes gotham Um, academy was also good it's definitely in that vein but obviously this has magic involved so there's you know there's just a hint of harry potter Mm -hmm. so um, I definitely uh, recommend this book. It's still only four issues in. This started during the pandemic, so mm-hmm. you still have the opportunity to catch up on something that still has a long way to grow. Mm-hmm. And the art is great. Like, um, you know, Humberto Ramos, uh, I, I dare say, channeling a little bit of Viscotti Young, in a sense. Yes. Not, but um, so it, it definitely fits well with uh scotty who is you know most more notably as an artist you know writing this book right but and actually, actually was, which oh. brings up a couple of uh, another thing like more artists get starting to write now which is pretty cool yeah there's a long tradition of do uh, of some some creators doing both but it's nice that he's got a uh a teammate who is letting some of his uh darker and more um horror based uh art styles kind of flourish mm-hmm. you know Ra- ramos is not necessarily the most um technical based like you don't necessarily need to see him doing iron man right. but this is something that's organic that flows that has lots of you know kind of creepy looking things i mean let's face it if i had my druthers this would be a chris bocciolo book 
you know, this, <laughs> this, is, that would be, this would be, this would be a, a botulo book, but, uh, but Ramos is definitely doing an incredible job on this and definitely um, the art is a highlight. Right. But given that it's centered around kids and, you know, despite it being a magic tool and everything that could, you know, happen in, in and out of that, this art makes more sense than the Bacalos. It makes probably, let me say, let me say that, makes as much sense as the Bacalos. Yeah. I was about to say, remember, Bacalo did um, Generation X. Sure. Back in the day. So, sure. you know, he's no stranger to kids. So True, true, true. Um. All right, so that's Strange Academy number four. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want me to spin it up? Spin it up. All right, here we go. All right, folks. Uh, rapid fire. See. You want to go first, or you want to? Yeah, I was going to say I'll go first because I don't think I have anywhere close to the number of books you have this week. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, and we already covered a bunch of mine. I think we'll cover the last book that we have in common, and that's Shang-Chi number two. Alrighty. It is written by Jean Luen Yang with art by D.K. Ruan. There's a flashback sequence by Philip Tan and colors by Sebastian Chang. Uh, we get a flashback to when Shang-Chi last sees Sister Hammer before she is literally, forget frig- figuratively, she's literally sent to Siberia. Uh, you know, or at least some part of Russia that is probably close to China, which is Siberia. So um, Shang-Chi gets a ride back to London and the house of the deadly staff to pay a visit to Sister Hammer, who quickly shows she's all about being in charge of the Five Weapon Society. Um, we find out that Zheng Zhu has some post-mortem powers he's still using to influence today's reality. And uh, finally, it seems like Shang-Chi's sister Dagger and brother Saber come to the rescue, at least for now. Yeah, uh, the only thing I was was just going to bring up is that, yeah, so we knew uh, Sister Hammer's uh, motivations going into this. But when they got when they got together, saw each other, I'm still like, okay, wait, is this going differently the way you think it would? No, it didn't it just took longer to get to that point <laughs> exactly exactly it, it was basically start off that way right? right it was basically a curse or a sudden but inevitable betrayable well at least to us anyway like not to um not to shang chi or seemingly because he kind of went in with open hand open arms and she kind of had a dagger behind her back really? under the guise of some delicious treats no less <laughs> exactly exactly his favorite yes so um next up for me is uh batman three jokers number three this is written by jeff johns with pencils and inks by jason fabok and colors by brad anderson um well the art is solid throughout the series thanks to uh fabok but the concept of the story to me fell a little flat so there's a small reveal though at the end of the story that may have lasting ramifications for future joker stories so we'll see if this story ends up being solidly outside, set outside continuity, or if it's brought into continuity. We will see. Um, next is Department of Truth number two. This is uh, published by Image. It's written by James Tinian in the fourth, with art by Martin Simmons. What started as a cool concept in issue number one does not really get followed up on in this issue as we dig a little deeper into the demons of the main character, Cole. Um, 
Next is another image book, Philadelphia number nine. You know, I'm a fan of this book simply because it has a pretty interesting premise. It's written by Rodney Barnes with art by Jason Sean Alexander and colors by Luis NCT. Uh, James Sangster Jr. gets his undead father up to speed on Abigail Adams's more ambitious plans, which essentially parallel a terrorist attack with the ultimate goal of creating a new type of slavery. Meanwhile, we find out about another founding father who may be roaming the earth as a vampire as well. And here's a mild hint. He might be singing, what did I miss? So um, you need to have seen Hamilton to get that <laughs> reference. <laughs> nice. Next is, uh, oh, my last book. Wow, that's so quick because I just did not get to as many books this week. My last book of the week is a fun read. This is another potential click of the week for me. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. When was the last time I read a Turtles book for uh, for the Comic Book Chronicles? Probably like early on when IDW launched their their you know uh, launched their uh, their new Turtles book, which is like a hundred issues ago now. Um, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Last Ronin Number One, published by IDW. The story is by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, Laird. And Tom Waltz. The script is by Waltz and Eastman. And the layouts are by Eastman. Uh, pencils and inks are by Esau and Isaac Escorza. Um, this is from a story that Eastman and Laird have had a long time. There's one turtle left. And he's on a quest for revenge against the Shredder's grandson, who now leads the Foot Clan and has, and has taken over New York City. From the outside, it looks like Escape from New York. But inside the walls that circle Manhattan Island, it seems like things have simply modernized. There's a lot to the story. There's a big reveal on the last page. So I would actually recommend anyone who's reading this, who picks this up, who has a soft spot, a soft spot in their heart for the Turtles, you can actually read this without having to understand any of the other stuff that has happened in the continuity since uh, they've restarted it um, at IDW because a lot has happened since they restarted it at IDW. Right. And uh, yeah, like uh, Age of 70 mentioned, like, well, like you mentioned, like, yeah, I've every now and then we've had some news about the Turtles, what's been going on in the, Tor Stor uh, the, the Turtles story from this last, from this uh, current volume. That's kind of made me want to check it out, but I never really ever do because I figure like it's kind of one of those things you gotta gotta go back a of a, a volume or two to kind of pick up on, especially with right. the, the addition of uh, other mutants and whatnot and all the other side stories that they have uh, already. But yeah, this doesn't seem like this one does. I hadn't read this one yet. I tried to get Agent Seventy to to tell me who the last turtle was because normally you would believe think that well you would know which turtle it was by the headband that well by the uh, yeah by the headband that they have on. But, yeah, uh, but they psych you out by not giving them the colored headbands. Right. And and since you said that, I was like, okay, there must have been a switch. You were, but he still wouldn't tell me, y'all. So I'm, I, even though I had planned I on reading this anyway. I'm anti-spoiler. I mean, I'll spoil <laughs> a few things, but I'm not into the big ones. Right. You know, I have to ring the spoiler bell, and I'm not going to do it because I actually want people to read this. It's actually pretty fun. 
And so that I will after, probably sometime after this. Uh, maybe there will be some impressions at some later date since we got this whole nice little Twitch channel that we can do things on. Um, that being said, I will get into mine real quick. Uh, Savage Adventures number 13. Apparently that is still coming out as we have yet to figure out where where this is going to end. Or if it's going to end. I, well, actually, we know it's going to end. I think... Uh, we know it's going to end. I yeah. think it's going to end when they finally do something about Kulan Gath. Yeah, and I think that's probably going to be... I feel like I've seen 15 being uh, the issue, and it seems like it might be going to that point in, in this issue. But that being said, uh, the Gathered team on the moon, no less, compares notes. Uh, didn't like how the person afflicted was done, but, you know... Conan uh, is clearly a singularly focused guy, <laughs> uh, which was which was noted while they were talking. Uh, the team splits into two. You never split the party, but yet there's you know it it is what it is on that. But anyway, uh, the team splits in two and goes on a recruitment drive while Doctor Strange makes a house call. Bats, I don't remember. Uh, in fact, I don't you know I don't know if that ever well. Oh, wait, it probably happened in this book, actually, now that I think about it. But no, because I don't think Wolverine... Well, Wolverine came up in the beginning, and then he kind of went off on his own, but I don't remember them being at the same time and him meeting bats. But regardless, that was kind of a question I had. But, uh, and last but not least, is Steven going full chew? Uh, If you know that reference uh, of that other comic, then you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Black Widow, Widow Sting number one, a new old tale written by noted Marvel writer editor Ralph Macchio. No, not that one. Uh, Natasha Infiltrate, because you know, to some people, know only one Ralph Macchio. Uh, Macchio, excuse me. But uh, Natasha infiltrates Silvermane's dinner party for Shield, who's making a play for for Magia here. Is it Magia Magia? You got me. I've never. That was one of those ones. Like it always comes up, but never really know which way to pronounce it. But anyway, because uh, I know it's supposed to be mafia, but they're right. not trying to get themselves whacked over at Marvel uh, Comics offices. So. Exactly. Like like make it close enough, but not not direct. Uh, but anyway, uh, Silvermane's making a play for uh, my gear head with a little uh, with a little help from a certain wand from the Strange Collection. Uh, if you, 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 you know, long-time fans of Doctor Strange, you know what that is. Uh, it's amazing that a high-tech setup is right behind a simple bookcase. Clearly, Natasha hasn't ever been to the Batcave or Aunt May's old place. Um, this was not called Widow Sting for nothing, partially because she uses the Widow Sting pretty much every other time in, in the last part of this book. Um, but, uh... Natasha Duff's Maya Martin Marco, one punch, one punch almost style, but it's, um, it is what it is on that. But she does complete her mission, so it's all good. It's a decent read. It is definitely reminiscent of an, uh, it harkens back to, um, a different era of comics, comic book story, storytelling, where, you know, which granted some of that still is done now, where it's like, hey, we're going, I'm going to tell everything I do. The, the character tells everything I do and how and why and this and another and a lot of exposition while action is going on. So this is what it is. Um, Spider-Man Noir number five. Russian spies, Dora Milaje, Nazis, Imkron crystals, spider totems, and sibling god rivalries. But at the end of the day, the universe is just hundreds of millions of burrows. 
Um, I've been I've been checking out the Spider Man Noir book, and it's actually not bad. It's a little bit of Indiana Jones, um, you know, especially given what I just mentioned. But um, it's an interesting read. Um, you know, I you know, kind of wonder, well, it says uh, to be continued question mark. So maybe there's another Spider-Man Noir story coming at some point. But, you know, this one was a pretty much a, a story until itself. But there is definitely one ca- character that I would like to see more of. And that's the, the pilot uh, slash Dora Milaje that um, that gets revealed in the last issue that, you know, makes a good uh, makes a good uh, run in this issue also along with a certain widow. Uh, let's see. Fantastic Four's, excuse me, Fantastic Four, Antithesis number three. Galen and Reed imbues the team with power cosmic and sends them on a collection run. The end result, a new Galactus? Uh, okay. Yeah. So you'd have to, to read the issue to know what comes about that. Uh, Doctor Doom number eight. Even at his lowest, Doom has a spare minute to drag Reed Richards. Uh, Victorious is clearly ride or die. Uh, and, uh, oh, and so as payment for helping fix the black hole problem, he takes over, he being doomed, takes over Simcaria. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. Where's, I was about to say, where's, where is Silver Sable? Oh, she shows this? up. She definitely shows up. Um, he even busts out his old Warthog, I mean, Secret Wars vehicle. Like the, oh no! There's a mention to the the Secret Wars toy uh, that he um, that he has, which is oh, no. kind of funny. Well, one, not the other, because there was actually two. If if uh, some folks of a certain vintage will remember that there was two of them, but there's one in particular that he that uh, gets uh, gets uh, brought up here. Um, oh. Uh, I would say it should have been the other one, which I won't mention. But anyway, is it the, uh, is it the one that looks like a circle? No, it's, it's not that one. On it? No, it's not the roller. Uh, should have been the roller, but it's not. I got you. I mean, listen, I was, I, I was, um, I was uh, not one of those lucky kids that got um, that many vehicles. I got a couple here and there. I don't think I got from, any of you know, them. from from any uh from any toy line but mm. i definitely got a few of the um the the figures but i definitely did not get any of these vehicles yeah shout out to google for uh, showing me all the stuff that i missed out on right yeah and i saw like apparently there was more than just those two in that uh that that uh thing i'm like i don't really remember but the one like i barely remember the the, the one that got brought up because that's why it let me that by the way in the show notes there is a link to um there is a link to the one in question uh, underneath Dr. Doom if you choose, choose oh, to I feel see like it. it. Okay. Yeah. Choose to feel like it. It's not necessarily, it doesn't look exactly like that, but it's that's pretty much what it is, what it's supposed to be invoking. Got it. But anyway, uh, and apparently the ultimate uh, nullifier went back to its original owner because of snitches. Um, meanwhile, Blue Marvel and Doc Ock, alternate Doc Ock, are trying to uh, get rid of the not black hole portal per Doom's instructions, which, uh, you know, they pretty much take care of that whole alternate uh, Dr. Doom, Dr. Doc Ock situation. Excuse me. If I said Dr. Doom, I meant Doc Ock. Uh, mm-hmm. Doc, Doc Ock situation right then and there. But uh, it seems that Victorious is of uh, Sincarium blood as her mom is the one trying to overthrow Doom or was trying to overthrow Doom. Uh, Nova shows up but doesn't get named. And at the end of it all, um, Doom thinks to try to reinvent himself 
again. And I guess we'll see what happens to that going forward. Okay. Because something happens in this book that he's not, he himself is not too happy about um, with um, someone that I just, that I just mentioned that caused All him right. to rethink himself. I was about to say, I freely admit not having read most of this Dr. Doom series. How is Cantwell doing on this? It's actually pretty good. Like it's not like um, it's taken, like it's not doing like the whole um, uh, uh, um, Superior Iron Man or whatever, uh, whatever they call that book. Right. It's not going that way, but it's pretty much like we see Doom in more of a state here than we probably ever will ever get. So they're they're trying to layer him a little bit more. Um, Got it. Not, not that not that that was really necessary. He always right. did have, uh, uh, you know, he was always like an onion in that regard. Shout out to Shrek. <laughs> Pretty but, much. Um, you know, he Doctor Doom of all of the Marvel villains, uh, with the with with the exception of probably Magneto. Those two have probably been um, layered like onions. You know, like over the course of Marvel's uh, history. Right. Like, like even in the beginning of this uh, volume, it's like Doom's in his own way trying to chase a dream, trace, tra- trace a dream or some visions that he's been having. Um, so it kind of led to at least probably what's going to come about right now, because you now the first arc of this book was kind of him, you know, had gotten into some trouble. Uh, or was being framed for for a thing that he didn't do, and also this other thing is in, in the sideline that's probably going to come together uh, with the whole black hole situation. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's a it's worth a read. You should check it out. I think it, it's uh might have some um, might be kind of compelling. Uh, next up, though, Injustice Year Zero number nine, uh, Joker possesses uh, Jay Garrick and goes after Wildcat uh, and uses a Superman line. Uh, also has his henchman dresses as Harley. Well, everybody's into something. Mm. Or has one of his henchmen uh, dressed as Harley. It's not Bob, though. Don't worry about it. It's not Bob. <laughs> and last but not least, uh, shout out to Batman 89. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, I'm like, Bob? Yeah. Uh, Bob, fun, you know? <laughs> I've got a name for my paint. Anyway, I want to watch Batman 89 again. Anyway, uh, last but not least, G.I. Joe number nine. Uh, this is an IDW joint, if I have not said that ever before. Uh, and this is definitely not that Larry Hamo one. But uh, Tunnel Rat recounts all of his uh, all of the, his lost teammates as he is running for his life. And there was a lot of Joes that got killed apparently during, during the course of whatever mission he was on. Like some that are notable to uh, classic Joes. But um, I would say pick up this volume, but I feel like a lot of the stuff that's going on in this volume has been going on for the last couple of volumes. And I think I've probably recounted before that basically uh, Cobra's taking over the United States, almost Red Dawn style. Uh, but that's that's not a thing that's new to this volume. It's just one that's kind of planned out uh, in this particular way. Um, like G.I. Joe's pretty much the resistance now going over or underground Duke's dead and apparently a whole lot of other, you know, Joe's even one of the shows they restructured, they regendered. Some of them are, are gone. Um, and you know, a, a lot of that's going on, but it's still all right. Like it comes out monthly and you can almost lose sight of where, where, uh, where this book's at because of, you know, whatever else is going on with books and, and whatnot. Uh, 
But um, it's still a not bad read. And that is it for me. Clicks of the week. Right. Here we go. Clicks of the week. And we already got two from our erstwhile partners. Uh, Dirt's pick is Red Hood Outlaw number 50, which I believe, and I meant to go back and recheck, is the last issue of this book. Um, let me go ahead and can reconfirm that because before I even say that, because we do we do know it's like a um, it's an anniversary, uh, it's a milestone issue. Um, here we go. Um, yes, don't miss the end of the outlaw era. So that's uh, the end of that. But then again, we know Future State is coming, and I think they're probably gonna. I assume at some point they're probably gonna redo Redhead and Outlaws or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember if in out the the the, um, the multitude of news that we've gotten about future date. I don't think I've seen anything about that. But regardless, uh, it is that I was reading actually uh, Red Hood and Outlaws early on, and I, for some strange reason, I dropped it. Um, probably wasn't uh, an event or something that happened. But he doesn't. Dirt uh, is all in on this one. It sounds like uh, he says. Oh, it's a good bookend. Also, that's pretty much that. And for Tim, uh, Ten of Swords, Stasis number one is his click. Okay. Do you have yours? I am still considering weighing two books against each other. Mm. Essentially, Immortal Hulk Number 39, a constant, constant candidate for this, uh, you know, for, for, for my choice for a click of the week. But you know what? I'm going to go slightly rogue on this and go with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Last Ronin number one. Shout um, out to uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird for uh, coming together um, on Turtle Stuff again. And uh, it's it's good to see them back, you know, uh, back at the reins, as it were. Also, Heroes in a Half Shell, Total Power. <laughs> I was about to say, shout out to, um, was it Arcade One Up? I think they, they put out the uh, the four-player. totally did, yes. Turtle, Turtle. Turtle's uh, Arcade Machine. Yeah. Uh, mini, yeah, mini arcade machine for, for home use. And I lost track of all the ones that I want. I have no room in this house for all the ones that I want. It's pretty funny. Hmm. Luckily, those are, I believe those, you can tabletop those. Right, you can. You yeah. can, but then, you know, think about all the things that you'd have to put away. You know, all these games you have to put away so you can play that on a tabletop. But, yeah. True. But, yeah, those are those are out there. I, I kind of, I've seen a, a couple of those in Walmart. I'm like, yeah, I kind of want those. But just like you, I don't have... I don't have a place. I'd love to set up. Listen, if I had, you know, if I had like a McMansion suburban house, you know, I've seen pictures of people who uh, post pictures of their like kind of mini arcades that they have at home, Mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, where they have like a bunch of arcade one up machines, like, you know, along the perimeter of a game room. Mm -hmm. Forget it, man. That's like oh. that's it. That's an excuse just to get one of those McMansions. Yeah, or in in my case, a basement. Uh, or a lower level, like if I had my, well, I don't want to do that, but I was about to say, if I had my aunt's house, because she has a split level house, I would totally put it downstairs in the, in the mm-hmm. bar, around, uh, right behind the bar. Um, right. 
Anyway, uh, apparently this arcade machine, this arcade cabinet has not only just not only Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but Turtles in Time. Right. All like the four, yeah, the two four. Yeah. The, the what's called? They put in uh, the two the two four player games. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. I did not know that. I just thought it just had the one. Uh, anyway, let me get off well, this page. I was about to say, while, while, while I give while I give uh, Roddy Cap maybe a little time to consider what his. Um, oh no, I got mine, but I was just. Uh, oh, you? I was just okay, I was just going to add that most of those arcade one up games uh, have more than one game on them hmm. to provide a little bit extra value. Right. Which is cool. Yeah. Well, the oh yeah, the Golden Axe one has uh, not even Golden Axe games in a. In a it's got Shinobi, Alter Beast, and Wrestle War. I don't know Wrestle War. Yep. The Wrestle War. Those Sega games, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, the Burger Time Machine. I kind of want that one, though. You know what? <laughs> Let me get a... What's your click of the week? I know, right? Let me get the hell off this page. Uh, X-Men versus Street Fighter also, which, yeah. Yeah, I want all the Capcom-based ones. But... Yeah, that would be nice. Street Although, Street. like, granted... You can make a machine that can do that, that, that can get all this stuff, but you know, some people don't want to go through that anyway. My click of the week is uh, Strange Academy number four. I, I kind of did weigh it out, but I was like, you know what, that one's the one that kind of like it would easy, it was either going to be that one, possibly Dr. Doom, and and maybe um, uh, buh, 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 buh. and Motor Hulk was was good, and I think it it might have answered a question that I brought up last, or at least a concern of mine. I think it might have taken care of that concern I had last week. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Okay. But, um, yeah, I, the Strange Academy was, was really good, as it, as it has been. And uh, you should definitely be checking out that book. Period. All right. Uh, add a read for me, please, sir. Our first add read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron. Fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. Now we get into the news. And we start off as we do every week about this time with the cinematic news. I should probably put our little pictures down here, but I'm maybe some other point. Uh, the Mandalorian's John Favreau talks whether he'll bring the Disney Plus show to the big screen. Uh, the Mandalorian Disney Plus, which, by the way, is going to be starting up um, tomorrow or probably in a few hours as of this recording uh, for season two. Uh, but anyway. The Mandalorian on Disney Plus brought the live-action world of Star Wars to the small screen, but could but could the show's popularity bring the franchise full circle with Pedro Pascal's character ever making it to the movies? Showrunner John Favreau says it's a possibility, but he's not in a hurry to make that happen. Uh, "Quote unquote," the line is blurring now. Favreau told Variety regarding a long-standing traditional uh, demarcation between entertainment at home versus in the theater. Things that you could would only have seen in the movie theater, you're seeing on streaming. 
and I think it could go the other way as well. And I will just side note there in instead that uh, after COVID, uh, you know, gets dealt with, which at this point in the U.S. probably won't be until 2035. Yeah. Considering that other countries are going back into lockdown, we don't know. Right. But there are some countries that are still, you know, uh, keeping it tight. So go figure on that. But anyway, that is that. Then we'll see if that ever, if we ever see the Mandalorian or some, or some part of it on the big screen. Next up. So a special look at season two of the Mandalorian shows the titular bounty, bounty hunter visiting all sorts of different locales as he tries to return the child to his rightful home. He travels to a frozen Hoth-like planet, a desert landscape, and a seedy-looking boxing ring. That last one is especially odd because Star Wars hasn't really featured too much hand-to-hand combat. Um, We generally see different types of combat, but not hand-to-hand. But um, it seems like this boxing ring in the Mandalorian's trailer could mean Season 2 will feature a Terras Kasi tournament. Uh, a martial art created for the Star Wars universe by Steve Perry, author of Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. Um, it's something that was previously depicted in the video game Star Wars Masters of Terras Kasi. It's Terras Kasi. Um, but yeah, I don't. There's. Uh, well, first of all, Masters of Terras Kasi was a terrible game. It was a terrible fighting game, but. Uh, oh, is that like a Star Wars? Uh, st- uh, it was Street totally Fighter a Star style? Wars fighting game, yeah, like Street Fighter style, gotcha. or Soul Calibur. I guess more, more common. But regardless, it was terrible. But it was also back before, you know, back in the days where a lot of stuff was just being tried for for tried sake, and you know, Lucasfilm was was well, one doing video games, and and two just trying a whole bunch of stuff with with, with some of this property. Kind of missed those mm-hmm. days, but it was a terrible game, nevertheless. Um, a boxing ring was never a part of the thing, and I think this is probably more speculation on the um uh, on the art on the article's writer part. But I put included it in here because it's a pretty good one. I like I if that was the case, uh, and I have no reason to believe that it is. Like I said, a boxing ring would not be uh the style of Tereskasi. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Okay, um, but who knows? And I suspect that boxing ring probably won't be two Jedi squaring off on each other. But they did end up, I think, in later years in the uh, EU making uh, Tereskasi into some sort of grand ritual rite of combat or something like that, you know, like this kind of mentions. So, anyway, next up, uh, Disney releases Mandalorian recap to help you catch up to before uh, season two in 90 seconds. So yeah, there's a 90 second uh, season one recap that's out there by Disney. You've probably seen it by now. Um, that came out probably what the day before we're uh, like on Wednesday, the day before we're airing. So, and again, the season two will be out uh, probably by the time, well, probably not by the time we finish wrapping, wrapping this episode up, but um, definitely by the time you hear this, <laughs> after the fact, it will be out. So enjoy that. We will probably might be talking about it if we're both finishing, finished uh, next next week. Knowing uh, Agent 70 will probably blow through the whole thing quicker than I will. What are you talking about? <laughs> Mandela, they're only putting out one, one episode a week. Yeah, I know. but mm, mm, well, It's not like they're asking us to binge the whole thing. 
Well, that's true. They definitely don't want that. But I mean, I like cause we were talking about this earlier before the show. I kind of postulated that they were probably putting it out the same way they did last one, and that's week to week. And I, I see no reason for them to go against that. Is why we're saying that also. But who knows? Maybe they'll pull it up and be like, "Hey, you go. Here's all of them." I doubt they'll do that, though. I very much doubt that. Anywho, next up. All right, next up. Hello there. Chances are. <laughs> You've relived Obi-Wan's path to becoming a Jedi Master in the Star Wars prequel dozens of times by now. But to help you along, Disney has released a new short that's sure to raise your midi-chlorians. Oh, stupid newsarama. So as part of the Galaxy of Adventure series, Obi-Wan is seen reflecting in this video on his life so far on Tatooine. Um, Alec Guinness's lines are from A New Hope are used. And... um, yeah, just go and watch this. I haven't watched it yet. I'm interested in seeing this. Yeah, I've kind of skimmed a couple of those Galaxy of Adventure shows. They're pretty good. The the, the animation though is pretty good. This this one I expect to be no different, but I haven't watched this one yet uh, either. So I just want to hear him say, uh, you know, he's got the high ground, and he probably does. I'm <laughs> I quite hope so. Sure about that. I hope so. Uh, moving right along. Ghost. Uh, DuckTales bosses are ready to tackle, tackle uh, Disney After Universe spinoff. So apparently, let's see. Uh, the DuckTales reboot has featured several characters from the classic Disney Afternoon lineup, including Dr. Green Duck. Excuse me. Uh, according to co-executive producer, story editor Frank uh, Angones, the plan was to all was always to build on these characters' appearances. That makes sense. Uh, the thing that we feel about all of our DuckTales characters is that they have an unlimited story potential. Uh, and Gones told Sci-Fi Wire, uh, if the op- opportunity arise, then there would be some. That would be really interesting and fantastic. So, so we certainly have stories about uh, not only Darkwing Duck, but about the rest of the families and all the various offshoots. Our goal was to rebuild, the, slowly rebuild the Disney Afternoon Universe, a world that we could play in, that others can play with, play in. So, who's to say uh, whether that's going to happen or not? It sounds like um, it could very well. But as the Animaniac said... Um, well, actually, we might get into that in a little bit, so never mind. Next up. Yeah. All right, next up. Uh, Variety is reporting that Oscar Isaac is in talks to star in the Marvel series Moon Knight at Disney+. Plus. Uh, Moon Knight, as you should know if you're listening to this show, tells the story of Mark Spector, an elite soldier and mercenary who decides to fight crime after he becomes the human avatar of Khonshu, the Egyptian god of the moon. This would mark a return of sorts to Marvel for Isaac, who previously starred in X-Men Apocalypse, which I still have not seen and refuse to. And because uh, um, you know, that was a, a Fox X-Men movie that uh, happened before uh, Disney reacquired the rights by was, buying out Fox. I was about to say as that was happening, actually, now that I think about it. You know, yeah, um, and obviously we know uh, Oscar Isaac as Poe Dameron from the uh, Star Wars sequel trilogy. Yep, yep. Um, yeah. So people have been taking this and running with it as its confirmation, and I kind of hate that. That's a, that does a disservice. Um, um, because there are news, there are quote unquote news sites that have been like it's you know acting like it's confirmed, and people have been taking it as gospel. 
And there's been a couple of times I have to say, no, he's in talks. Calm your buns. Calm your buns. Uh, and even if and even if it was already confirmed and no, but no one said anything, because obviously you can't really believe it unless either he or, you know, which he's not going to do because he's under NDA. But even the NDA doesn't mean that he has to say anything, just like in that She-Hulk case, which that's still a whole nother situation because she didn't necessarily have to say anything but that she did, but she did, whether she's under NDA or not. And that's a whole that's a whole nother piece that some people are missing on that in that equation. But regardless, he's in talks. It's not been confirmed. Marvel hadn't said anything as far as this article is concerned. Um, and they haven't definitely said anything. On, and, you know, him, them or Disney hasn't said anything in confirmation. So calm your buns. <laughs> it is not confirmed yet. And I was about to won't... say, this is Rodicap breaking out some new terminology here. Um, <laughs> next up for hey, you. You know, I do it every now and then. Um I guess speaking of Moon Knight, uh, Marvel's Moon Knight Disney Plus series finds its director. Uh, Marvel's Moon Knight series on Disney Plus has reportedly found its director in the Egyptian filmmaker. And I believe this came out like not too long after the uh, Oscar Isaac thing. Um, but obviously it was slightly overshadowed. Uh, but anyway, has the Moon Knight series has reportedly found its director in Egyptian filmmaker uh, Mohamed Diab. According to Hollywood Reporter, Disney and Marvel Studios have tapped, uh, tapped Diab to serve as the director of their upcoming Moon Knight series, which is set to tell the story of Mark Spector, a uh, former soldier of fortune who is in the moonlight. And surprisingly enough, by the way, not a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, there are some people who don't know who Moonlight is or even, you know, uh, not that much about him. So I will go ahead and put here that uh, if you are watching the show, and if you're a character to understand who the character in uh, Moon Knight, you should check out the clickbait section. Um, and there is a story in there that is breaks down everything you would probably want to know about Moon Knight. Anyway, uh, Dia first came onto the scene with a directorial, directorial debut, uh, Cairo 678, which was released in December of 2010, just one month after the Egyptian, one month before the Egyptian revolution. A few years later, he helmed Clash from a script that he wrote with his brother Khaled, Khaled, Khaled uh, Diab, excuse me. Uh, the film was officially selected by the 2016 Cannes Film Festival and opened the festival's uh, uncertain regard session that year. So he also wrote the Island franchise films, which the Island was a franchise. You got me. Yeah. Uh, I barely remember those movies. But anyway, which are amongst the highest grossing Egyptian and Arab... Oh, okay. This is not the same island that I'm thinking of. Uh, which are amongst the highest grossing Egyptian and Arabic language films of the time. So, there you go. Director, but not necessarily uh, a star just yet. Move right along. All right, next up, uh, over a year after it was first announced, Marvel Studios' Blade reboot is on the hunt for screenwriters. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the Blade movie is one of multiple upcoming films looking to increase black representation, not only in front of the camera, but behind it as well. The Mahershala Ali-starred Marvel film is searching for screenwriters, though no specific names have been mentioned as of yet. But it does say they're specifically looking for, seemingly specifically looking for black screenwriters, Mm -hmm. seemingly. So that's always great. Uh, Next up. You know what makes a lot of... Not that stupid autoplaying video. Yeah. Um, 
Marvel's Shang-Chi movie film has finished filming, apparently. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, one of the upcoming films in Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, has finished shooting. Uh, and matter of fact, I'm going to take the next uh, uh, article after this because it is definitely um, uh, related. Uh, director Destin Daniel Cretton, 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 I don't know, and uh, lead actor is Cretton. I think it's Cretton because Cretton is spelled C-R-E-T-I-N and has a vastly different meaning. True, sure. Uh, and lead actor Simu Liu, Simu Liu, have both confirmed the end of filming on their Instagram accounts embedded below. And in fact, uh, going to the next article, which it was probably also mentioned here in this uh, article. Uh, Simu Liu uh, uh, put out a message on his Instagram about the uh, wrapping up of the film. And his, he says, uh, that's a wrap on Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, all, uh, in all caps. Nine months from now, we will break records and make history as the first superhero movie to feature an all-Asian cast uh, that kicks so much ass it's not even funny. Well, that's a lie. Actually, it's quite funny, too. Uh, he goes on to say, for all of us who hated the color of our skin uh, or been made to feel less than feel less than because of it, no more. This is our film and it will be impossible for Hollywood to ignore us after this. I'll see you then, but probably sooner, uh, actually, because I'm always on here. Lol. Let's fucking go. <laughs> That's a great cast pick, too. Indeed. Indeed. I don't, yeah, I'm not entirely, um, I don't entirely know of his work, but you know, I'm looking forward to seeing this. That's all I'm saying. Well, it's, 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 it's going to be a new Marvel movie. You know, we're, we're already kind of sold. Um, totally. We're the target audience. Um, (laughs) next up, uh, Chris Hemsworth, uh, posted a photo of director Taika Waititi wrapped in a blanket and sprawled out on the grass floor outside the grass ground. Outside uh, during Thor Love and Thunder's first official script reading and meeting. Terrific first script meeting for Thor Love and Thunder with our ever fearless leader, Taika Waititi. Hemsworth captioned the photo. My notes were so detailed and intense that the only way for Taika to fully absorb them was to roll himself into a tight cocoon and bake in the endless possibilities of where the film will take us. The bloke in the background was equally riveted by my storytelling prowess. (laughs) A tight cocoon. cocoon. Um, But yes, if you're watching the video of of this program, and you should sometimes, there's some stuff that comes up, uh, you can see the picture um, for yourself. If you're not already following uh, Chris Hemsworth and probably thirsting. No. Uh, next up, though, Betty Ross works with Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner in MCU concept art, which is what I was alluding to earlier uh, in the program. Uh, so apparently there was a newly released uh, concept art from the Wakanda Files book that reveals uh, that Betty Ross was working with uh, Mark Ruffalo's version of Bruce Banner. And Liv Tyler, as we know, was the the person who played Betty Ross during the 2008 Incredible Hulk movie, which was also mentioned earlier. Wait, are they doing um are they doing both of them group movies or just this one? Oh, you, oh, you talking about Bitch Mode? Right. I assume no, they're, they're just, just doing the, the one. Yeah, they're just doing the MCU. That's what I thought. Okay, so because 
And yeah. they bring up the fact that there was a 2003 Ang Lee movie. Right, the Ang Lee joint. Discuss yeah. it, but they don't, they don't uh, go into all the details. Right. So, yeah. So if this... anyone out there has ever listened to Binge Mode, they know that they are thorough and cover lots of the bases, if not all. So, yes, we are talking about the, the MCU slash uh, Ed Norton uh, one, which, yeah, direct mm-hmm. MCU. So, uh, but it says here definitely that, that, yeah, there's concept art that, you know, means that, um, that basically says that, uh, Mark Ruffalo and, uh, and Liv Tyler could have been playing against each other at some form, but we'll probably never, ever get an incredible Hulk movie or they'll probably never bring that up. And we have also seen Thunderbolt Ross, who was also in that movie played by, um, if I'm not mistaken, the same person. Wait, was it the same person? I don't think it was. That? Was it the same person playing Thunderbolt Ross and all? Uh, in the yeah. okay, uh, whose not name is escaping me right now? But MCU, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought they had switched up Thunderbolt Rosses, and maybe I'm thinking about the Angley movie, which, which I'm not gonna think about. I don't think I've ever actually seen all the way through because that joint is rather, yeah, I just don't remember too much of it. So, yeah, it's probably just well because I don't think he hooks out until like near the end of the, the movie, anyway, from all accounts. Anyway, moving right along, there is that. So, remember, yeah, all concept right. art uh, what next, it is. Next. Yeah, next up, Spider-Man Three news. Tom Holland has announced that filming is starting with a video message. Um, so we're you know we we we've, we recognize that Marvel Studios is gradually beginning to resume its various productions. Um, principal photography has quietly begun on Tom Holland's third solo Spider-Man film. Can you believe it's already going to be three? And apparently not uh, so quietly, but also the, the Disney snipe, Disney Marvel snipers might have gotten to him. Yeah. Uh, so he posted a video on Instagram as he landed in Atlanta, Georgia, to join the production. Um, the production had actually begun earlier this month in New York City. I haven't seen it because it's not like I leave the house that often. Hmm. Um, Holland's post has since been deleted from his own account. (laughs) The snipers. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It's been shared by various fan accounts following the actor. Um, You know, basically, basically Tom Holland says, okay, so we just landed in Atlanta and it's time for Spider-Man three. Let's go. People love that, man. Yeah. Um, This was originally slated to begin principal photography earlier in July before COVID. And um, as I mentioned, second unit filming began recently here in New York City for establishing shots. Um, Principal photography is expected to run until March of 2021. Except for the fact that if things go the way they're probably likely, well, not necessarily likely, the way they could potentially go, the, the whole United States could be in another lockdown and <laughs> and things will stop again we'll see we'll see uh speaking of tom holland though uh tom holland drops first official look at his nathan drake which we know uh if you are a video ga- video game fan is the uh the, the uh, character the main character of the uncharted series so tom holland has uh, released the first official look at his upcoming uh, movie adaptation of the uncharted video game featuring himself as lead uh uh, Nathan Drake, a younger version of Nathan Drake as it is. Um, it's nice to meet you. I'm Nate. 
hashtag Uncharted. Holland captions uh, the photo on his Instagram. Gotta say, he's not just, you know, the look is there. There you go. But, you know, some people still hope that it would be Nathan Fillion, which, yeah, I could I could totally see that if they did some time shenanigans or something. But, um, hey, as a, as a young Nathan Drake, it's not bad. We'll see how he does in the role when it finally ever happens. Next up. Next up, uh, Stranger Things actor. Uh, you gonna someone's gonna have to help me with pronouncing yeah, this I don't know name. Dacker or Dacra? Sure, I don't know. Dacra, Dacra. Mon- Who makes up these names? <laughs> Dacra Montgomery fueled rumors that he will step into the role of Wolverine in a recent post that has since been deleted. In my opinion, he's too tall. According to Movie Web, Montgomery briefly shared. Fan art that showed him smoking a cigar while mocked up as Wolverine on his Instagram story. Uh, Montgomery's name has been thrown around as the next actor to take on the role after the images were first posted on the Boss Logic Twitter account in 2018. Um, and the rumors intensified after Disney acquired the rights to the Marvel Fox properties back in 2019. Okay. Right. And if you're watching the video, you can see the Boss Logic, the original Boss, uh, Boss Logic post from 2018, right there in the article. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. And it looks more like Sabretooth than Wolverine in, in that picture. Or at least it's I, not for me. Yeah, I was going to say it's not for me. Yeah, a thinner Wolverine. I mean, Sabretooth. Uh, which I am threatened to, to go through the uh, the Wolverine movies. I, I think I'm almost at the point to where I'm, 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 I'm I might be there. Like, I've seen oh, bits I, and pieces of um, the second one. And I still haven't I've seen, seen Logan. I've never. I, I was about to. I've seen them both. I've never really wanted to revisit them. Yeah, I've seen. Well, actually, now that I think about, it, I've seen bits and pieces of X Men's Origin. Because now that I think about, it, I remember being holed up in a hotel at one point uh, during a con, no less, and both of those movies being on at some amount of times. <laughs> so yeah, one of these days that might I might slog through those and actually finish X Men Origins Wolverine the video game. Which that's probably all happening sooner rather than later. Anyway, <laughs> Battlestar Galactica movie is happening with X Men producer Simon Kenberg. Um, Simon Kenberg has signed up to produce and write the long awaited Battlestar Galactica movie. Dylan Clark will produce alongside the Dark Phoenix director. Ugh, those That don't sound good at all. <laughs> I still haven't seen Dark Phoenix either, but still. Uh, Ken Berg is probably best known for his work with the X-Men franchise. That's not making it any better over the last decade. Uh, He was also attached to co-write the Boba Fett movie with James Manigold before Disney and Lucasfilm decided to pull the plug after less than an uh, ecstatic response to Solo, a Star Wars movie story. Excuse me. He also worked as a creative... You know what? Y'all probably already noticed, but he's also a creative consultant on 2015's uh, Force Awakens. Like Kenberg is one of those names you see on a lot of stuff lately, like um, like Berlanti for for TV stuff. Like I kind mm-hmm. of wish they would find some different other people for some of the stuff because it's not fair that these people are getting all them all that that money. But at the same time, the, the formula is there and is also Hollywood for better or for worse. Sadly. Anywho, um, oh. Sorry, I'm just picking up this thing about a uh, gorillas movie, which has nothing to do with us, but that's kind of mm-hmm. from my own reading. Uh, next up, though. Up. Next up, when the Green Lantern television series debuts on HBO Max, 
It's going to have production values similar to a feature film, according to producer Mark Guggenheim. During the SAM at Home event, I'm not sure what SAM stands for. Uh, staying at home or something? I don't know. Good, good, you got me. All right. During the SAM at Home event, Guggenheim uh, briefly discussed the series during a live stream on YouTube. He happens to believe, he states that he happens to believe. Um, that you can't do a 10-hour show or an eight-episode show like an eight-hour movie. So um, he just wants it to look good. Uh, you know, it's, there's a lot more to this. So um, basically they're writing it like a TV show but hoping to produce it like a film. Okay. Um, I'm looking up Sam at home, and I'm seeing links to, well, one, the SEO one is not great, but... Um, I'm seeing stuff from Comic Con International, so maybe it's from maybe it's uh, Comic Con. You got me. Oh wait, yeah, it says Comic Con presents uh, Sam at Home. I don't know. We're gonna move right along um, from that though. Uh, to the Batman shuts down part of Chicago for filming. Uh, produ- production of Matt Reeves' upcoming film, The Batman, took place on the streets of downtown Chicago, uh, where scenes for Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight were also filmed. Uh, the news comes courtesy of ABC7 in Chicago, who mentioned that filming would be taking place on LaSalle Street, Jackson Boulevard, and Washington Street, which I feel like that's something probably shouldn't have been... Well, actually, no, never mind. I was about to say that's probably something shouldn't have been um, uh, released, but Traffic being what it is, that's probably a good thing they did. Uh, filming caused the closure of these streets home from Friday night, Friday evening to Saturday morning. The outlet also shared a video that showcased several Gotham elements from the Chicago set, including Gotham City police cars. So, cool. Next up. So, Wonder, Woman's ni- Wonder Woman 1984's planned Christmas release date is currently up in the air for very good reasons, according to Warner Brothers CEO Ann Sarnoff, who was asked um, who was asked about whether the movie's planned release date was definitive. She answered, she hopes so. It really is about how the U.S. continues to open and whether there are any other surges, as in the coronavirus. Um, and that's essentially what it comes down to. Yeah, and asked if discussion included director and co-writer Patty Jenkins. Sarnoff replied, "Absolutely, they are including Patty Jenkins in that discussion." I feel like we would have known about it otherwise, because yeah, I believe the last date uh, known was this coming December for this movie. Um, Right, which puts it which puts it a little bit less than two months away now. So right. Uh, we, you know, no, no, no surprise there that it's currently up in the air. Right. Uh, it said here yeah, at the bottom uh, that the film was expected to arrive in theaters December 25th. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Christmas. Yep. Along with other Christmas movies like Die Hard. <laughs> anyway. Um, oh, yeah. I just found some news that I'm probably going to edit into this, but I get to that in a second. 
pardon me, excuse me, Black Adam's Hawkman shares his JSA-themed research material. Aldous Hodge's uh, casting as Hawkman in the upcoming Black Adam movie is announced in late September. We talked about this uh, previously on the show. And the actor has now shared his comic book research material for the role. Uh, Hodge posted a collection of JSA and Hawkman comics on his Instagram with the caption, Weekend Homework, uh, while tagging comic book writers and artists attached to the works. Uh, these creators include uh, Jeff Johns, Robert Venditti, David S. Goyer, Stephen Sadowski, Michael Bayer, you know, a bunch of people, uh, a bunch of people, including like Rags Morales and uh, other folks. So, and you can see the picture right there of uh, his um, his spread. I'm trying to remember when the last time I read any GSA <laughs> or Hawkman for that matter. And it's probably been a good while, if ever. So yeah, there you go. Man's my man's is um is um is um studying for the role. By the way, check out Leverage. Leverage is a good show. Next up, next is um, Cartoon Network is launching anti-racism PSA series with Steven Universe OKKO OK Let's Be Heroes creators uh, Rebecca Sugar and Ian Jones Corte are the creators behind Steven Universe and OKKO OK Let's Be Heroes are launching a series of anti-racism PSAs with Cartoon Network. Debuting uh, this week, Don't Deny It, Defy It is the first of the four PSAs and features Steven Universe's Garnet, voiced by Estelle. Future installments will be released on a bi-monthly schedule with different Steven Universe characters. For more information, you can visit www.crystalgemspeakup.com. Indeed. Uh, let's see. Re-enroll and get a little loony with Tiny Toons Luniversity. So this is also um, harking back to something I just mentioned a little while ago. The trailer for the upcoming Animaniacs revival series begins by joking, reboots are symptomatic of a fundamental lack of originality in Hollywood. Hollywood. I love how this article is like, I'm going to bring up the, the, this thing's own words against them. Uh, looks like it's time for millennials to rejoice with the news that a Tiny Toons Luniversary cartoon is on the way to HBO Max. That's right, Toonsters get ready to return to Acme Acres with Buster and Babs, no relation, uh, and the rest of the Tiny Toons gang. Much like the aforementioned Animator Anime X reboot, Steven Spielberg, Spielberg returns to executive produce um, this new Tiny Toons series. Uh, while Animatics will be premiering on Hulu, Luniversity will be streaming on HBO Max, as we just said, but we don't know if the original cast, voice cast, is coming back for this one. Well, there you go. Those are Ready. the facts. Oh, no. Uh, next up, the new Power Rangers movie will be written by film, TV, and comic writer and former guest of the comic book Chronicles, mm-hmm. Brian Edward Hill. E1 and Hasbro recently announced that they were going to be developing a new Power Rangers movie along with some new TV projects. Uh, It was previously announced that Jonathan Entwistle, creator of the Netflix series I Am Not Okay With This and It's the End of the Effing World, would be directing the film. It's now being reported that Brian Edward Hill will write the Power Rangers feature film adaptation. Um, You know, we know him as uh, the creator behind several comics and TV shows and whatnot. So congratulations to him on a property that I have no connection to. 
oh, man, Power Rangers are great. And so is Super Sentai, which is pretty much the thing that's off of it. And those Power Rangers books have been actually all right. Uh, but yeah, uh, Brian Edward here, like like uh, Andrew Sam said, uh, been on the show, uh, I believe, writing and producing Titans. Or writing right. on I, and producing yeah, Titans. Had, right. When we had him on, he, we talked about uh, Titans. Right. And he did that Killmonger book, and he was doing... Hellion? Wait, which? No. Fallen Angels. Yeah, he did Fallen Angels, which wasn't the best received uh, Dawn of X books. But at the end of the day, he still got a good track record when it comes to uh, written work. So we'll right. see how this comes out with Power Rangers. But weirdly enough, I think because I remember when he was even on the show, he was like, yeah, I'm going to have to give up some stuff because he's got some other stuff in the pocket, which I guess this and Titans and whatever else he was doing was on. But he was still writing Batman and the Outlaw, uh, ba- Batman and Outlaw. I believe he's still writing it up until it ends. Actually, I think it just ended. Or did it just end? Right. Yeah. I was going to say, I believe it just ended. Yeah. And I was also going to add that um, if he remained on Titans, they've already got another season banked. That's so correct. it's probably done with that for now. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that he might be uh, uh, on to uh, this project. Yeah. So, but hey, man's got stuff in the, in the, in the, on the fire. So good on him. Uh, next up. Let's see. My Dad the Bounty Hunter Netflix series set with Russell Hornsby, uh, Hornsby Yvonne Orji, and more. Uh, Netflix has announced, announced a new series, My Dad the Bounty Hunter, and it is primarily and it has a primarily black cast. Uh, the animated action comedy space series from um, oh wow, that's a weird sentence. Is, is from uh, Everett Downing and Patrick Harpin. Uh, the voice class includes the aforementioned Russell Hornsby, Yvonne Orji, uh, Priya Ferguson, Yvette, Yvette Nicole Brown, Jacoby Swain, Leslie Uggams, all right, um, Rob Regal, and Jim Rash. Uh, here's the logline. The, the action comedy series follows the toughest bounty hunter in, the, in all of the galaxy, a man with razor sharp skills, but also a secret. His family on Earth has no idea what he does for a living. So when his two kids accidentally hitch a ride in out of space and crash his latest mention, mission, they discover that the, their average dad's job is anything but boring. Sounds like true lies. <laughs> true lies, oh, no. but, 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 but a space comedy. Um, dodging dangerous aliens and laser fights galore, this family bonding time goes to the extreme. Wait until mom finds out. So... Sounds interesting. I don't think it's, it doesn't seem like it's uh, related to any comic book stuff, but I wanted to bring it up here anyway. Uh, wait, there is one more thing that I don't think I had put in yet. I did not. Um, so give me a second while I put this in there so that um, we can, where the hell did I put it? That's not it. What cried? Oh, it's right here. Stupid. There we go. Uh, I'm going to put it on the other sheet. There we go. It is there, so you can go check that out for yourself, uh, Agent 70, if you want to go ahead and take that last one. Oh, there's another uh, story. I just put it in. Yeah, I just put it in. Yes. All right. As I open the story up, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Ninja Turtles returns to movie theaters for 30th anniversary next month. To celebrate the movie's 30th anniversary, (laughs) count the years, folks, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is to be re-released in theaters nationwide for a limited time. But remember, this does not include Vanilla Ice. Thank God. The original live action. 
Teenage Mutant Ninja set to emerge, reemerge from the sewers and once again liven up theaters nationwide to celebrate the movie's 30th anniversary. It will have a special three-day engagement in cinemas courtesy of Fathom Events, who specialize in bringing independent movie classics to the big screen and in this case are giving you the exact cinematic classic you need right now. That's a lot of fun. It was re it was released in 1990. Mm-hmm. If you can't do quick math, that is 30 years ago. Older than a lot of, I would say a lot of the audience, but older than probably a good Somebody audience. Yeah. Almost older than one of the hosts of the show. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, what's up, Tim? Um, but yeah, apparently November 5th through the 7th is when the Turtles, uh, where, where you will come across the TMNT Turtle Power. Um, I won't do the rap. Uh, and that was also Secret of the Ooze, which I hope we will never right. see the light of day again. <laughs> I never did see that Michael Bay movie, uh, Turtles movie, but that's probably for the best for everyone involved, really. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, if you feel froggy and not turtly and you want to, you know, make your way to the movie theater, then sure, go for it. But, you know, that movie's out there Stay in a lot safe. of places. That that movie's out there in a lot of places. You don't you don't have to do that. I appreciate it. But it's, it's safe. Yeah. That's all I have to say to you people who and, might be considering going to the theaters. Indeed, pack your own snacks. You know, take your masks. Actually, don't snack. Just don't eat it. As much as I hate to say that, I'm a big proponent. Yeah, I was about to say. I'm pretty sure that one of the new rules is that you're not supposed to eat. Yeah, or- exactly. I was about to yeah because that's why I had to stop myself. I was like, yeah, mask on at all times. Don't don't do this. I was about to say eat before you go. Exactly. Anyway, we are going to transition over into the comic book news. And actually, I just realized I had a a piece of news here that's not necessarily news, but something I'll probably bring up next week. And folks on the show, uh, folks on the um, video will have seen what that is, because this kind of a thing that kind of bugged me also. Anyway, uh, comic book news, starting with Brett Booth returns to the X-Men, excuse me, Brett Booth returns to X-Men title after 18 years. Uh, former I know DC- someone who's happy about that. Who? Our own Tim Dog 98 Is he now? I didn't know he was a Brett Booth fan. But, um, anywho, former DC exclusive artist Brett Booth is returning to, actually, maybe I did know that, not that but regardless, uh, is returning to Marvel Comics in the next few months. And we'll be making a big splash by joining Jonathan Hickman on Marvel's ongoing X-Men title. So it's exactly X-Men proper then. Uh, Booth will be drawing January 27th, uh, X-Men number 17, which will sound like it's probably going to be post uh, X of, uh, Ten of Swords. Uh, and it says here, and I guess this stuff is also came out in the solicits, uh, which some of this news is actually still coming out from the solicits. So be aware of that. Uh, when the Shi'ar Empire asks for the X-Men for help, Cyclops, Storm, and Marvel Girl answered the call, uh, according to the solicitations. So, cool. And you see some line art from B- Brett Booth and the cover. Uh, so, yeah, cool. Next up. Next up, Marvel made Paragon Collection honors X-Men legend Chris Claremont. Marvel announced the Marvel Made Paragon Collection, 
uh, which features a number of classic Claremont X-Men stories. The Marvel-made bundle will include a number of iconic X-Men stories, a new story by Claremont and Salvador La Roca, lithographs, and much more, all encased in a faux leather hardcover. However, the item's only going to ship if tw- uh, 1,200 pre-orders are placed. Talk about your Kickstarters. All right. This collection with Marvel made is a beautiful new compendium of some of uh, his best, plus a beautifully illustrated new story by Sal LaRocca, Claremont said in a statement. Here's where fans get to see Nightcrawler and Bloody Best Save the World. You want to find out how? Get the collection. Um, wow. The books included um, range from... Um, well, you get the exclusive new 20-page story by Claremont and La Roca. You get an original Days of Future Past notes and script by Chris Claremont. You get a reprint of X-Men 94. That's uh, Claremont's first X-Men title, uh, X-Men issue. You get 129 to 137. That's Dark Phoenix. Um, 141 to 142. I believe that's Days of Future Past. Um, you get the Wolverine miniseries with Frank Miller, number one through four. Uncanny X-Men number 268, I believe that's the Captain America and Black Widow and Wolverine cover. And X-Men number one. Um, That's pretty cool. That's a nice little um, collection of Claremont's issues. And, you know, feel free to look at all the dangling plot threads that you're going to pick up while you read those issues. (laughs) Yes. I do like the way that the presentation on this, because if you're watching the video, you can see the the hardback book and the... um, the other hardback case that it comes in uh and also it's some open pages and a little bookmark that's in there and of course you can't have this whole thing without welcome to the x-men hope you survive the experience because you know that's a thing but yeah you can see the rest of the um everything that this thing entails or at least a lot of it anyway i should say uh in the show notes um it's a lot wait is, is there a price did we see a price um, way way bottom. No way, no the way they do this thing. No. Oh yeah, here we go. A uh, hundred and ninety nine dollars pre-order. That's not terrible. I was gonna say that's not terrible. Yeah, it seems to be a lot in it. You get a lot of you get a lot of stuff for that. Yeah. So, sure, go for it if you're if you're that rabid about it. Next up. Excuse me. Uh, Marvel's Runaways making a surprise return to comic books actually yesterday because uh, this was from last week. Um, Marvel's Runaways comic books uh, has been on hiatus since uh, onset of COVID-19 pandemic. But good news here is uh, the book will be resuming schedule in just six days, which was again yesterday. Uh, in a bit of last minute surprise, Marvel has announced that Runaways 32 will go on sale uh, October 28th, which again is out now. Seven months after the release of 31, uh, excuse me, seven months after the release of 31 on March 18th. Uh, so the the yeah you know, the, the Runaways have always been full of surprises, says editor uh, Nick Lowe. Uh, we're following in their footsteps and surprising you with Runaways 32 at Comic which I feel like this means that, oh, we're just going <laughs> to, like, we wanted to throw something. This was a light week, so we wanted to throw something else out there. Wait, was Runaways out this week? Yeah, it was this week. Was well, at least that's what list? it says here. Um, I don't know. Was it in the thing? I don't know, actually. I don't see. 
I mean, I it could have so. been it could have been out and not pulled, but right. I was about to say now it makes me want to double check the diamond page because I didn't see it in this week's books, and that would suck. Um, that we didn't get a chance to read a review copy of it, but you never know. Sometimes Marvel leaves out that stuff for us. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll get to the bottom of that later, though. So, mm-hmm. but regardless, there's also a preview of uh, the issue uh, on this article. You can check that out if you are a fan of Runaways. All right. Next up. All right. Our next story is pretty much a rehash of what we discussed uh, oh. with regards to Ten of Swords Stasis Number One, which is the sword bearers of Araco and Krakoa are essentially uh, assembled for our review in the issue. So uh, you can uh, circle back to what we said about this issue earlier. Pretty much. Uh, Marvel teases the death and death and death of a former X-Force leader. Which I don't remember this, but that is, you know, sure. Um, X-Factor number six. And this is coming from the solicitations again, which is coming up. Uh one of which is going to tease the repeated death of former X-Force and X-Factor character ah. Teresa Runaway Car- goes out this week. Okay, cool. According, according to Diamond, Runaways number 32 was released this week. Mm, well, I, to, well, actually, I don't know why I'm pulling in because I still haven't caught up with Runaways. So it's like, let me, but, um, but yeah, I was about okay. to say, I didn't get my copy this week. You know, I haven't picked up my books yet this week. I'll be picking them up to probably tomorrow. So... Hopefully my issue of Runaways thirty my copy of Runaways number thirty two will be there. I didn't know you were reading it. Nice. Um but yeah. So Siren, aka Theresa Cadicity, aka um Banshee's sister. Um there apparently the cover is teasing uh the the deaths or the mini deaths of um of that character, because you know it can't be a banshee without without some form of death. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, X Factor Six Solicit can be found below. The cover art features Teresa using her signature sonic screen, which is transformed into a skull to represent death. So yeah, and then of course there's you know the little bit from the solicitations uh, solicitation on on that. But we'll talk about that when we get to that issue when it drops next. All righty, next up, uh, Merriam-Webster settles the Cyclops question X-Men fans never thought to ask. Uh, (laughs) Merriam-Webster recently revealed how you should pluralize the name of the infamous X-Men character, Cyclops. Merriam-Webster, Merriam-Webster's official Twitter account shared an article stating that Cyclops pluralized the Cyclopes, oh, Cyclopes, actually. Um, you might not think this is an urgent read they added to the post, but what if you get stuck in the X-Men multiverse? Okay. I mean, you never know. It could happen. You know, <laughs> last action hero told us, told us otherwise, but then you know, no one's known to the theater. So that's not going to happen. Anyway, um, a bit of good news that I, well, good news and some bad news, I guess. Uh, Good news is Marvel's Iron Fist returns in 2021 with Larry Hama and David Watcher. Um, to which, being that I had not, and I probably, and I still had not watched, looked at the uh, solicitations for January, uh, did not know this. And Agent to where Agent Seventy was like, "Yeah, dude, it's in the solicitations. Calm down." <laughs> <laughs> 
he didn't necessarily say it like that, but you know. Uh, Danny Rand returns this uh, January in a new limited series, which is the bad news. Uh, Iron Fist, Heart of the Dragon, uh, as first reported by Nerdist. And I would say first reported by the solicitations, but that's just me. Um, someone is killing the ancient dragons that power the heavenly cities and only Iron Fist and the deadly weapons can stop them. If only if they can discover who they are in time. Reads the solicitation for the first issue. Uh, zombie armies, mystical portals, which we've had kind of zombie armies this week in Shang-Chi anyway, but, um, mystical portals, not saying that you can't go otherwise. Mystical portals, dragon hearts, and some of Marvel Universe's deadliest fighters all converge in one action-packed extravaganza, and the fate of all worlds hangs in the balance. Uh, so I believe this is the... Larry Hama has not been back to Marvel in a good while, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And, and he's also Mark been very returned. busy on his own with uh, the G.I. Joe stuff going on at IDW. Right. Which he started over at Marvel. Um, so this is cool. I thought this was a cool thing. I hate that it's a limited series, but I understand man's got, you know, man's got other things on his plate. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing uh, this, this, is, uh, this come out. Uh, next up. Uh, in Interesting news, Lady Deathstrike versus Shang-Chi in a January 2021 title. This was announced in the January solicits as a new one-shot uh, entitled The Legend of Shang-Chi by uh, writer Alyssa Wong and artist Andy Tong. Um, the one-shot pits Shang-Chi, as I said, against Lady D as they vie to seize a magic sword that devours souls. Is Katana somewhere? Um <laughs> She, uh, Alyssa Wong says that she's stoked to write Shang-Chi and, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool that, um, and, and obviously it's, it, there's a good reason why, because there's a movie coming out. They need to prime the pump here. Of course. So, you know, that's, uh, that's why we're seeing more black, black, black widow stuff also. Yeah. Um, I guess worth noting Alyssa Wong is writing, currently writing Dr. Afra, which I would like to catch up on at some point, but I think it does take up after a part where, or after the long last volume where I have not caught up on. Um, oh yeah. She says here that her first introduction to the character was in War of the Realms, New, New Agents of Atlas. So she's kind of a uh, recent to this joint, but hey, cool beans. I feel like I've, I've read some first up before, and it's I'm like this ought to be, this ought to be a treat. But I don't, I don't remember. So, but it's only one shot, also. So as as, um, as we got an ongoing right now, hope that hopefully continues legs. We just need a new Lady Deathstrike Marvel Legend. Hopefully, it's the old <laughs> costume and not the uh, not the movie, you know, black leather costume, which is you know just overly simplified. So. Uh, you gotta love Agent Agent Seventy's focus in that in that whole. Th- that's his takeaway in this whole thing. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not saying it's not true because yeah, sure, why not? Um, next up though, uh, let's see. Marvel's 1800s uh, Ghost Rider Sorcerer Supreme Koshala returns in 2021 for a solo title. Uh, Marvel's late 1800s era Sorcerer Supreme and resident Ghost Rider Kushala, aka Demon Rider, will be returning in a big way in 2021 with her own solo comic book series. Uh, the publisher has announced the Kushala series as a part of the reveal of a variant cover by Jeffrey Varej. 
Ferrege. I don't not not sure how to pronounce the name. I apologize for the Native American character to the upcoming uh, Marvel's Voices Indigenous Voices anthology. Marvel has not revealed any details about the 2021 Kushala series. So, for those that I know, Kushala was a part of that uh, uh, Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme book from like last year or so. Um. So yeah, there you go. Next up, uh, in news related to this week's Fantastic Four antithesis issue, as Roddy Cat detailed earlier, a dangerous piece of Fantastic Four history came back. Um. Well, actually, no. This is more the 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 Doctor Doom. This was doc- that was Doctor Doom, not not antithesis. Oh, oh! It was in Doom. I'm sorry. Right. No, well, it was fine. in the Doom issue, right? Well, it was. We'll get to that. Go ahead and finish it, and I'll, and I'll get to that. Right. Well, um, in 2021, Fantastic Four number 28 is going to uh, herald the return of the Ultimate Nullifier, but apparently, it's back in current Marvel continuity. Right. So, last issue of Doctor Doom, uh, issue seven, we found that that Doctor Doom had the Ultimate Nullifier, and he gave it to Victorious. But apparently, as of this week's issue, it uh, like I said uh, earlier, it went back to its proper owner. So technically, it is coming back, but it was already back Be- because of that. So, like I said, um, Galactus apparently seemingly got it back uh, this week, but I guess the Fantastic Four are going to regain it and use it some kind of way. Uh, All right. Yeah, there you go. That's it. Next up, Speaking of Doctor Doom, uh, we kind of already talked about this, so there's really no need to talk about it in that uh, Doctor Doom just conquered a crucial, I don't know about that, Marvel nation, but it's the one that he's been beefing with in, in the... Um, well, actually, it wasn't just that, because I don't think about it. I think it got brought up in Spider-Man at some point um, uh, in the past uh, year or two. But regardless, that's what probably part of what Doom's been dealing with, and he just took it over including the aforementioned uh, Secret Wars vehicle that we talked about earlier. Moving right along. A new pop for the Falcon and Winter Soldier TV show showcases Baron Zemo's comics-accurate look. Uh, a Twitter account released the first look at the official, of the official um, Baron Zemo Funko Pop. Um... The Zemo Pop is rocking a purple mask, marking the debut of his comic look that we were all looking for in the Age of Ultron movie. I I kind of wonder if, it's just, if it actually is, because this seems like a Funko leak uh, um, site or something. I don't know. So I don't know if this is... Nah, that looks pretty legit. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't, but at the same time, we've seen legit stuff that's not, tr- that's not actual... <laughs> also no but, no but what i would say the the i think the uh the one thing i would add is that there are some falcon and winter soldier toys coming out i did oh, sure. oh yeah we on, know but we know that for i sure. didn't happen upon um in no i'm talking about in my own um in my own uh trips to walgreens for other things mm-hmm. not necessarily just marvel legends but i have seen um the mini mates right I've seen Falcon and Winter Soldier mini mates um, hit uh, the pegs at Walgreens, so not surprising that these pops would be, um, you know, leaked by someone because they are probably on their way to be distributed. 
Oh yeah, sure. I guess. I mean, yeah. I'm not, and I'm also not saying that it couldn't be from some, you know, legit inside source that just so happened to be leaking the information. But well, legit is whatever. But um, some inside source that's leaking it. But it's also there are some convincing mockups out there. Also, next up though, the Punisher Thanos uh, Funko Pop figure has arrived, and you can buy it. Um, so yeah, there is a um. There's uh, uh the the <laughs> the 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 Thanos Punisher from from Cosmic Ghost Rider is a pop figure now, um, and you can buy it and it's twenty four ninety nine. There you go. Excuse me. Next up. Earlier this week, Hasbro revealed a lineup of new Star Wars figures for Mando Mondays. Mando. Hasbro introduced a bunch of Mandalorian-inspired products in celebration of Mando Mondays. Um, as we said earlier, the second season of The Mandalorian is going to start tonight slash tomorrow. Um, and Hasbro announced several new Mandalorian-based toys. Is one of them the Darksaber, like uh, like um, like um, uh, Giancarlo Expedito is having in that the uh, uh, YouTube image because if it is, I would probably buy that. <laughs> You'd have to take a look at the video. I don't remember seeing all of it. I do remember seeing, you know, some, there's some uh, uh, some talk online about the the face sculpt for Pedro Pascal mm-hmm. for Dinjarin or Dinjarin, right. um, and uh, you know, people kind of uh, objecting to to the sculpt. Okay, I was about but, to ask if it was uh, good or bad, but okay. Yeah, I mean, I I looked at I was kind of like, ooh, you know, but, you know, it depends on, sometimes it depends on the photographer, too, so. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like I said, I will probably check it out, and this doesn't necessarily say what, in particular, the figures are in this article, which is probably a series of other 10 or 11 other articles elsewhere on the site. Um, but on that note, though, um, I'll take these next two, actually, since they're related. Uh, this $160 Mandalorian Xbox controller isn't even made with Beskar steel. Haha. <laughs> um, but apparently, well, regardless. So yeah, there's a Mandalorian sculpted, uh, Xbox, uh, controller that is out that you can buy and it has a charger. Uh, you can see it in the picture right there. If you're watching the video of this here program, it's silverish looking, kind of tarnished looking cause you know, scuffed as the Mandalorian armor would be after a series of fights. It's a good-looking uh, controller. I don't think I would see myself spending uh, $160 for it, regardless of whether it comes with a charger. But it looks good, and it also apparently, according to the next article, has a picture of Baby Yoda on the back of it. So... That's all on you if you choose to to uh, partake of something. And I know some people out there will. And I don't think it's, this is an Xbox One controller. It's not even... Uh, well, I think you can use the same controllers on the Series XX and, and Series X. Uh, so that's less relevant than I was about to make it. Nevertheless, it's out there. Have at it if you want to. Next. All right, so you did the the Baby Yoda yes. uh, secret. All right, so Baby Yoda is coming to Star Wars Squadrons. Apparently, um, 
EA said they weren't going to dribble out new content for Star Wars Squadrons through seasonal updates or DLC. They announced a surprise content update for the game that will add new unlockable items based on the Disney Plus exclusive series The Mandalorian. The update adds eight new items in total, a hologram, decal, dashboard flare, and hanging flare for each of the Imperial and New Republic factions. And yes, that includes Baby Yoda. Um, although in a simpler, more bouncy plastic figurine incarnation than the mysterious creature that rides shotgun with Boba Fett on the... Uh, with what? Wait, is, Who that wrote what this? Says? is that what it actually says? Who wrote this? Anyway, it yeah, sure have fun does. With, uh, Oh my god. Have fun with this. Uh, this no one who's editing this. Uh, who's editing right. this? I know, right. piece of gamer. God damn it, man! <laughs> and obviously the and obviously the the um the baby Yoda um uh bobble is not reaching for the uh the radio <laughs> or whatever uh it, he was touching it, uh, originally. Yeah. But also, it looks like it really looks flagging just now, ladies and gentlemen. But now I'm annoyed. Uh, you know, if I could reach through my computer and like <laughs> grab the PC gamer writer who wrote this and the editor who uh, didn't spot this, um, I would shake the life out of them. I love it. I love it. See, and uh, again, once again, I'm not the only one who gets annoyed at bad editing. So I, I appreciate this. This is bad. This is bad writing. Forget editing. Yeah. Talk about not researching. Your, well, both, uh, but you know, when they, they're, you, there's, know you can share the blame in this. <laughs> but yeah, the, but worth you know, noting, editing, you know, editing kind of picks up on. It should be picking up on, uh, you know, spelling and grammatical errors. Well, and mistakes like this. Factual, too. Come on, you, can, you know, yeah. This is pure factual, you know, mistake. You know, purely a factual mistake. Come on, people. Well, yeah, and that's what editing is also supposed to do. I'm like, hey, are we, you know, sometimes. But, but you know, like I said, they, you know, the original writer should be picking up on this. Come on, people. I mean, true. Yeah, like I said, I'm not saying he's blameless uh, in this. But, you know, no, this yeah. person deserves to be. What's the what's the term that kids use nowadays? Dragged. <laughs> Drag him. Anyway, anyway, we're going way too much longer on this than than necessary. Um. But yeah, the little the, the the baby Yoda figure comes with the little eight ball thing uh, that um that little eight ball thing that uh the the man yeah seriously has. Andy Chalk shots fired writer of this awful <laughs> oh uh, wow see I wasn't article. gonna do that shots also fired. it looks like um I'll open up the minigun on you also it looks like baby Yoda's missing his hands but that's uh, you know it's you know it's fine it's not. It's not it's awful. Accurate. Also, EA is, sometimes lies. Anyway, next up, that's a whole other situation. Deceased finally reveals how a Justice League powerhouse gets infected. Uh, and this is a spoiler for Deceased Hope at World's End number 12, which is out this week or last week? I can't remember. Regardless, it doesn't matter. Uh, in the first deceased series, a, a zombified Martian Manhunter came to the Fortress of Solitude and, and attacked a bunch of folks. Uh, and I believe he ended up getting, yep, ended up tagging uh, the Flash and turned him into um, a zombie. But we never saw how uh, John, John uh, Mushroom Manhunter got infected. And apparently, for some reason, the Hope It World's End number 12 sheds light on how that happened. And apparently has something to do with Black Adam. So there you go. Uh, next up. 
Next up, in the fallout of Joker War, there's a lot of stuff happening in Batman's rogues gallery, but in a year already shaping up to feature multiple villain civil wars, DC the Doomed and the Damned reveals that another pair of classic villains might also be going to war, uh, namely Raish al Ghul and Solomon Grundy. Um, okay. Um, yeah. So it turns out that... Uh, it turns out that the powers of the Lazarus Pit are starting to fade. So Rachel Ghoul is waiting for uh, Grundy to resurrect uh, from his grave. And uh, Rach fears that his mortality might finally be catching up with him. So he comes to try and unlock what makes Solomon Grundy continuously come back to life. Okay. I mean, clearly it's because he was born on a Monday. You know? I mean, clearly. Come on. So, you know, not, you know, not... Uh, not sure how that's going to go down. I mean, okay. Yeah, it seems a little one-sided, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, anyway, uh, Dick Grayson reunites with his first team in the pages of uh, Nightwing's number 75, which is what I think came out last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we all know that Dick Grayson's had his thing. Where, you know, he got shot in the head and, you know, survived and became Rick Grayson, and now he's back. Uh, and uh, a couple of members of this old Teen Titans team um, decided to check up on him, and that being, uh, let's see, Donna Troy and Garth, who is a, a teammates on the original Teen Titans and Titans uh, group. So, yeah, there you go. Next. Uh, the new Batgirl that's going to be in the CW's Arrowverse, or the CW, isn't it the CW-verse now? It is now, but I'm still going with Arrowverse. Screw that. So um, the new char- the new character Ryan Wilder, who's going to be played by Javisha Leslie, um, taking up Batwoman's cape and cowl, actually was introduced into um, the DC universe in I believe it was last week's Batgirl number fifty. Uh, this week's six weeks. Is it this week's? Yeah, okay, this, this week's, week's Batgirl number fifty, which revealed that she has a personal connection to Barbara Gordon, the current Batgirl. Which, if you've seen, um, and I shouldn't be comparing this to this because not necessarily the same, but if you if you've seen Batgirl, uh, that ba- I mean, excuse me, if you've seen that Birds of Prey movie, the Harley Quinn Birds of Prey movie, there is a scene that pretty much seems like it's uh, a similar vein. Put it this way, so yeah, basically, Barbara's run across this character in his young wild days, and not to be confused with Van Wilder, by the way. That's a whole nother situation. Or at least we hope not to be. <laughs> we hope there's no relations between them and Van Wilder. Anyway, next up, though, uh, DC pushes back Amethyst's final issue even further. Uh, DC announced that the sixth and final issue of the miniseries Amethyst, which began its first uh, issue back in February, has received yet another delay. Uh, Amethyst's conclusion, concluding issue from writer-artist Amy Reader was originally solicited for a release date of September 22nd. Uh, That date was then pushed to October 20th, uh, followed by another, which weird, anyway, never mind, followed by another push to November 24th. So 22nd, 20th, 24th. Next thing you know, it'll be on the 26th. Um, But now DC has confirmed that the latest, or maybe it'll be on, never mind. Let me stop. Uh, DC has confirmed that the latest postponement will see the final issue hitting stands on December 1st. 
Um, and I don't believe there's any real reason as to why it keeps getting pushed. So, okay. Uh, next up. All right. Um, the world of Sean Murphy's Batman White Knight continues in the latest DC Black Label miniseries. Batman White Knight presents Harley Quinn by Sean Murphy, Katana Collins, and Mateus Calera. Um, spoiler alert for the previous volumes. Uh, the Joker is dead and Batman behind bars following the events of the recently concluded Curse of the White Knight. Collins and Scalera wanted to weave a more cerebral, deliberately paced narrative than the first two volumes as Harley became a detective herself. For this change in tone, scope, and pacing, the creative team was influenced by the acclaimed Netflix original series Mindhunter. And they, they wanted to uh, – that they felt like Harley Quinn should be the next Mindhunter. Okay. So, well, one, I talked about that that thing last week. Well, I talked about this last week, so it's not it's less of a spoiler, even though it's more of a spoiler then than it is uh, this week. But it is still, I guess, for, for folks who should read it. But you should still read it if you feel that's spoiler. Because this and those um, those miniseries are, are good. I still champion those. Um, and I, lastly, I will just say that, you know, the concept is not necessarily that new, which I totally forgot to mention last week because a psychiatrist that has uh, had run-ins with the law uh, working with the police to, you know, on, um, on cases that, the, that uh, they have been, that they have some, you know, that they have some uh, knowledge of not a new thing. I'm just going to say we've seen television shows and movies about that, but this is where they went with that. So, it is what it is. Next up, Power Rangers unleashes the most sinister Megazord ever. And this is um, uh, spoiled for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 55, which is out this week, I think. Um, let's say yes until, sure. Or probably last week. Might have been last week. Regardless, uh, Power, Rangers, Power Rangers are in for a, in a battle of life and death with Lord Says newly crowned Dark Rangers in downtown Age Grove. And just as the Power Rangers are starting to gain some footing, Zed came down to Earth with a cavalry of evil Pterozords to gift to his Dark Rangers. Uh, the Pterozords are having their way with the Power Rangers and they take measures to finish them off. Uh, once and for all, with their leader Zed watching, uh, the Terrazors have also had the ability to transform and combine with each other, uh, and they do just that to form the Mega Terrazord. So, yeah, that's the thing that's going on in the pages of Power Rangers you're right at this moment. Next. Spoiler alert for Avatar. Um, Katara and the Pirates Silver shows off the Waterbender's true power. Um, it's no secret that Katara was one of the strongest benders in the world of Avatar while she's often underrated in light of showier benders like Topher or Azula the hey, young waterbender rude. proved her what's that? rude anyway keep going sorry <laughs> you got me uh, the young waterbender proved her mastery of the element at the conclusion of book one and had some major moments in book three that proved just how much of a juggernaut force she became over the course of the series. But with the publication of her solo adventure, Katara and the Pirate Silver, it turns out that Katara may have progressed far faster than anyone realized. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they, they kind of did Katara dirty in Avatar. Um 
and Toph is not Shuri. We stay in Toph, or I stay in Toph. Uh, Zula, she is what she is. You should, I, I'm going to say it again. You should watch Avatar. That's all I'm saying. It's pretty okay. good. It's got, at, at the end, it kind of does some things that's kind of, like, the couple characters get kind of get shorted. Um, but overall, it's pretty good. Anyway, um, but yeah, the good, yeah, they, they did, they kind of did Katara dirty in the end. Anyway, uh, Blade Runner Origins explores the beginnings of the Blade Runner division. And by the way, uh, Avatar is, uh, the last end of the series is on Netflix. Uh, but yeah, Titan Comics and Alcon, Alcon Media Group will launch Blade Runner Origins on February 24th. Set 10 years before Blade Runner 2019, uh, Origins follows LAPD detective Cal Moreau as he's investigating the apparent suicide of a senior bio, bio engineer for the Terrell Corp. Uh, found hanging in our sealed laboratory, the bioengineer's suicide doesn't sit right with detective. With the detective, uh, Doctor Ty- Triel's wait, that's that should be Tyrell. That, that's a misspelling, folks. Uh, Replicant Empire hides a dark conspiracy, one that Moreau's investigation is leading him towards. So, check it out if you're a Blade Runner fan. Next. Next up, uh, Hellboy has a long history in comics, but it's one that's splintered. Uh, Tales that dip in and out of timelines and jump around his, his history of fighting to keep his adopted home safe from the supernatural. Um, io9 has an exclusive first look at Dark Horse's new Hellboy Universe Essentials series, a collection of trade paperbacks that gathers the must-read stories from across the history of Mike Mignola's iconic demonic anti-hero, designed to offer the quintessential Hellboy experience for newcomers. Um, Essentials will be a four-part series highlighting short stories from across four key corners of the Hellboy comics universe. Uh, let's see how much this might be. The Essentials line will kick off with Hellboy Universe Essentials Hellboy in July 2021, with each entry in the collection costing $15. That seems to be reasonably priced. Sure. Why not? Uh, next up, though, Jeff Lemire and Jock team up for mystery title Snow Angels. Pardon me. Uh, writer Jeff Lemire and artist Jock have teamed up to create a comicsology original comic book series titled Snow Angels, which will debut in 2021. And that's literally all the information the creators and publishers have released. And I assume in this case, literally, literally is used actually. Because, boy, that's a, that's a crawl on my side. Anyway, Lemire, Jock, and Comixology, he simply tweeted a teaser video showing a hand, presumably Jock's hand showing uh, hand drawing the Snow Angels logo, along with some music. Uh, no art has been shown or synopsis given by the cre- publishers or creators. Next. There's more? Yeah, there's a couple more um, on the other. That's... Yeah, Oh, I'm sorry. No, well, technically that is it for that is actually it for the news. But I was going to mention uh, a couple of the uh, the the variant corner stuff. So I don't 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 worry about it because all I'm going to say is, uh, hey, there's some aliens um, Marvel variants that uh, you may want to check out. That's coming Uh, Marvel versus alien variants, uh, and some of that's come. A lot of that's come from out of the solicitations. And there's also um, a, a story on 
the number of a couple of people who are doing King and Black number one variant covers. One of which, now that I think about, it, has just been shown. The the Peach Momoko cover was shown uh, recently. I think today I saw it out on Twitter. So, but so if you're interested in that kind of stuff, there you go. But that's not, you know, not that important. But we are at the end of the news, and therefore at the end of the show, as I put this back. Uh, to a thing. One more ad read for you, sir. Sure. Our last ad read of the night is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to torronté, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off, and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash Wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink Wines through CSPN. Do it today. And as we end another episode of this here, Combo Chronicles, I'd like to thank each and every one of you for coming out. Uh, I, myself, have been Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CBCaps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70, you can find on Twitter and Instagram. Go check out his um, Inktober stuff that he's still doing. Yeah, it'll wrap up this week. Yep, indeed, indeed, indeed. And, um, well, I'll get to that in a second because I'm probably sure I won't forget this. But um, you can also find uh, PCN underscore dirt. Thank you. There you go. Do it again. That's right. Give yourself some, some extra props there. Matter of fact, give yourself a clap, man. Some claps. Okay. It's getting there. <laughs> I was it's bringing this on him. I don't know why. Uh, there we go. I'm getting some lag here, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing it. But So let us push this along before something drastic happens. Um, PCN underscore dirt on Twitter, popculturenet on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com, and all those umbrella sites therein. I'm guessing he's still doing. The Vine Alternative uh, Byte, uh, B-Y-T-E, under Comic Reviews, no com- no vowels? I guess so. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'll have to either check or add or ask one of the two, regardless. Um, uh, the, 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 the Osiris of this ish. Tim, D-O-G-G, 9-8, on Twitter. Uh, the Click Nation on Twitter. That's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. Also, TheClickNation.com. But also... CB Cron, that's uh, the Comic Book Chronicles uh, Twitter account. You should go check us out. Check them out there. Check us out there also, because you know some, we see the stuff that sometimes gets uh, put over there. Sometimes it even gets uh, relayed to us, d- depending on. Uh, but yeah, check that out right there. And also on Comic Book Right uh, Comic Book Resources, where Tim is over there writing his face off. Indeed, 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 as uh, Savala would say. Anyway, uh, you can find this here podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. 
See, I'll, I'll just trip myself up at that one. Uh, you can also find this here podcast on uh, your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. But you can also find us here every Thursday night. Um, that will that may or may not um, you know be an asterisk on that in the next coming weeks or so but we'll see about that um, but you can find us here every Thursday night 9.30ish p.m. on either the YouTube channel of the, the Click Nation uh, that's youtube.com slash the Click Nation or you can also find us streaming in both that place or uh, Twitch which is twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles, all one word. And of course, the audio will come out here on the aforementioned um, uh, CSPN, you know, round Saturday to Sunday ish, but stay tuned for that to our Twitter accounts for that. Um, and with that, we will leave you for now, and I will say. Um, because it is the 30th. Happy Halloween. Yes, happy Halloween. We uh, are now on the eve of Halloween. The, yes, Halloween Eve, Eve, as some would say. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, um, you know, in a few short hours, the Mandalorian will be upon us uh, as of uh, this recording, because it's like a little after 12. Absolutely. So, hey, stay tuned for that. And we'll definitely probably will be mentioning it, at least the first episode of it next week's show. No spoilers, obviously, but you know, you know, we'll see what we'll see what we we'll see. On that note, folks, this has been the Comic Chronicles. Say, hold on, hold on. Before we wrap the show uh, this week, please make sure you go out and vote. Oh yes, uh, may not be lucky enough to have Paul Rudd hand you a cookie like some people here in Brooklyn were um, at uh, at the Barclays Center, which was a polling place. Um, hmm, apparently, uh, he was out there handing out cookies to people who were coming out after voting. So, uh, can't be not everyone, not everyone can be lucky like that. But that was nice um, of him. I didn't see that. But, um, but yeah, just make sure you get out, make a plan to uh, get out and uh, cast your vote. Um, it's getting late by the time you hear this show, it might be too late for early voting. So, if you have missed your window for early voting, make sure that you um, do your best to stay safe, socially be socially distant, and go out to the polls on Tuesday. Absolutely. Um, but if you do get this in time, if you listen to this ahead of time and you're able to vote early, please do and stay safe. Yes, if it is still valid, and you can check uh, vote.org or vote.org and other places. Check your local local board of elections for the rules uh, and hours surrounding your local polling place. Absolutely. But definitely vote. So, But in that case, um, this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. Wakanda forever!